<laughs> Pot of gold. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and we've got a great show for you today. It is February the 21st, 2022. Let's get rambling. Oh, we got a funky one today. I like that. Mm, mm. In case you missed it last week, we had a great episode. Our guest was Melissa Nesbitt, my beautiful wife. And it was episode 60, Love in the Time of COVID-19. If you missed that, you can go right to ramblebytheriver.com. And we've got a little embedded player right there on the website. And we also have links to the entire catalog through our web host, uh, Captivate. So all of that's at ramblebytheriver.com. Anyway, yeah, I had a great time with that one. It's just me doing a Valentine's Day quiz with Melissa. We go through one of those Facebook quizzes. It's a good time. We also pulled out an old yearbook and, you know, talked shit about all our friends from high school. I really enjoyed making that one. I basically had my best friend in my ear for a week straight because of the editing process. It takes a while. And you might think I'd get tired of that, but I really didn't. Because I just spent, like, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours with us talking the whole time. Even though they only actually spent, like, two hours with me. This one was particularly fun because I got to hang out with Melissa in real life as well. Because she helped me edit it, which never happens. So that was cool. That actually hasn't happened since I had Alex Mack in here. And he helped me edit his episode, the first one. Uh, which is interesting because he was mentioned in this episode and I was meaning to call him and ask if it was okay if we talked about him and use his name and all that and I forgot. So I'm going to have to do that before I actually release this. Note to self. Anyway, doing that podcast was fun. By the time it was over, I felt even more in love than when I started. So it was good. I highly recommend you give that a shot if you've never tried it. Start a podcast and do an episode of uh, a survey about your spouse. It's fun. Unless you don't know your spouse that well. You know, I don't want to give out advice. This is not not a not an advice show. It's just an opinion show. So, you need advice, you go see Dr. Phil. You need some good opinions, you come to Jeff. Yeah, if you recall, episode 55 of season one on Ramble by the River, we featured a couple Alex Macs in the mix. Alexandra and Alexander Mack. They both came on the show, and it was a totally a serendipitous accident. Alex Mack, the mister, had showed up as a moral support for Alex Mack, the missus, and he ended up staying and we did a full podcast. It was wonderful. It was cool to see the dynamic of that couple, and it created a whole new thing that Rainbow by the River had not had before that, and I really liked it. And when I did have Melissa out here, I got that same kind of vibe, where it's just like a peek behind the curtain, and it's something that a lot of us are doing as well, you know, being in a long-term relationship, especially a, a committed live-in long-term relationship whether you're married or not so it's cool to see other people's experience and to hear other people's experience of what that's like and also to see how they communicate with each other i don't remember who it was off the top of my head but there was a really famous psychologist or marriage counselor who had like a high 90s success rate on being able to predict whether or not a couple was going to make it and the way he did that was by watching them communicate and i think it took him like five minutes and if you watch them for five minutes that seems wrong, though. I'm gonna, I should look that up. Good morning, everybody. This guy's name is John Gottman. John Gottman is a researcher, 
and he did a lot of research into relationships. His research helped us predict which couples are going to make it long-term, and he did this by watching them communicate. Research into relationships has helped us predict which couples are going to be more likely to build long-term, satisfying relationships, and which couples will build relationships that are conflictual, unhappy, and lead toward divorce. The research has found that it is not differences in background, age, or even opinions that make or break a relationship, rather it's behaviors, particularly regarding how people communicate. That influences the health of a relationship the most. Among the important findings is a set of communication habits dubbed the Four Horsemen. John Gottman identified the Four Horsemen, and they are communication habits that increase the likelihood of divorce, according to his research. Those four behaviors are criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. Now, if you've been in a long-term relationship, I'm sure you've experienced at least one of these, and I'm sure you know how shitty it feels. It's obvious that those are bad for relationships. You feel it when you're doing it, but for some reason, those four things are very hard to avoid. It's interesting. But anyway, my point is that communication is really important, and it's really interesting because there's so many different ways to do it. And I'm sure as you know, there are some ways that you communicate with your spouse or people who, who you're really close with, your best friend, who knows, your parents, that you would never let other people see because it, it looks rude or, or it looks weird. I don't know. I've known people who have their own languages. So it it's just open-ended. You can communicate so many different ways, physically or, you know, verbally, all the, you know, the standard ways. You could write a letter if you want. And they're all different. It's different every time. There's so much nuance to it. And so it's, it's cool to have that on the podcast. I really should just start a, a whole show that's just that, where it's just couples doing a, a couple survey. They come on here and they, they, It'd be kind of like the, uh, what was that, the dating game? I think the dating game. Yeah, there might be like a spinoff there. Ramble by the River presents Young and in Love. Couples could come on and talk about what works for them, how they keep it fresh in the bedroom, how they decide who cleans up the dog puke and shit like that. Or it could be like couples that don't get along so well. Ramble by the River presents couples therapy. Or Ramble by the River presents He Said, She Said. An intimate portrait of couples that should probably get divorced. I don't like that last one as much. I don't want I don't want to watch that show or listen to that show. Oh, so the episode today is not going to feature a better Noah bias segment because we're just not gonna do it. I don't have time. I'm going out of town for the weekend, and so I'm trying to get this done a couple days early. I needed that extra time. Don't have it, so the it's a shorter episode, but it'll be just as good. David is delightful. He's a guy I know from originally kindergarten, I think. I believe, yeah. I believe I met him in kindergarten. So he's one of the OP originals, an OP OG. And yeah, I've known him forever. He's a tall, skinny, hilarious man now. He was a tall, skinny, hilarious kid back in the day. Yeah, he's just a good old time, you know? I had a good time just hanging with David. And that's really why I had him on the show. Been years since I'd seen him. And he brought some cool stories. Uh, A couple of them really shocked me, actually. I had no idea that I was involved in one of them, which I will not spoil the surprise, but yeah, it was kind of funny. He told me a story that I was in and didn't really remember until he started telling me. Then it started coming back to me. All coming back, all coming back to me, yeah. It was so long ago, but now it's all coming back to me. And uh, what else, what else, what else, what else? Ramble by the River is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Now, 
It's no secret that I love each and every one of my listeners, but there's a special group of listeners that took the time to go to ramblebytheriver.com and they clicked on that subscribe button at the top of the page, and we call them the Ram Fam. And they have agreed to pay a small subscription fee, and in return, they get special features that are not available to the general public. Merch drops, behind the scenes updates, early access to each episode, even though sometimes it's only like a couple hours because I'm trying to get it out as early as possible, but it's hard. On top of all that, you get access to the Ram Fam Patreon group, where the Ram Fam can connect with each other and with me. If you're a fan of the show and you regularly listen to the free episodes, you are going to love the extras that come along with this membership, including a free t-shirt after your third month. For a limited time, New Royal Ramblers, which is our premium tier membership, will get a free NFT or non-fungible token as a thank you gift for supporting the show. These NFTs are from the Cult of Meerkats collection, and they're genuine digital collectibles. They can be sold, traded, given away, paper-handed, or hodled. If you are already a Patreon member but you didn't know about this promotion, check out patreon.com slash ramblebytheriver and follow the instructions on the pinned post. To become a member and get that free NFT, go to ramblebytheriver.com and click subscribe at the top of the page to sign up and start receiving benefits today. What if you're not ready to pull the trigger on that Royal Rambler membership? You don't need all those extra features. You're a busy person. You don't need the bonus episodes and the exclusives, but you still want one of those NFTs. I get it. I get it. They're hot right now. You know, everywhere you look, NFTs, metaverse. What is this shit, huh? How do you get involved, you say? Better listen up, because there's two ways you can do that. The first one, rate and review Ramble by the River on Apple Podcasts. So obviously, if you don't have Apple, this is not available to you, and I apologize. But maybe you should get with the times. I'm just joking. I know a lot of you listeners are listening on Android, and I'm just poking fun, because Android is for losers. Just kidding again. Why would I care? They're all great. It's amazing technology. Anyway, also, by the way, all trucks are good. Stop acting like Ford sucks or Chevy sucks. All trucks are good. They make good trucks now. Shut the fuck up. All right, sorry about that. But it's true. They just make good trucks. They're all good. I can't wait for that Cybertruck. That's going to be even better. But anyway, in order for me to send you an NFT, you will have to get a Phantom wallet or a Soulflare wallet or some kind of a Solana blockchain wallet. I highly recommend the Phantom Wallet. They just came out with a mobile app. It's great. You're also going to have to write a review about Ramble by the River on a podcast player. Or finally, you can create a social media post about Ramble by the River, tag us and tag two friends. One of the friends must be somebody who loves NFTs. The other friend must be somebody who hates them. Primarily somebody who is heavily annoyed by the whole crypto metaverse thing. This part's just for fun. You'll be glad you did it. And once you tag those people, don't forget, me, two friends, then, yeah, send me a screenshot of that post along with your Solana wallet address, and bibbidi-bobbidi-boom, I'll drop you an NFT. Colt Cats NFT, boom, right in your wallet. It will take a day or so. And then once you have it, you do what you want with it. It's your NFT, you know? It's yours to use, as you wish. You can make your display pick, you can sell it, you can trade it, you can hodl it, which, by the way, is crypto lingo. If you say that in crypto circles, you'd be thought of as very cool. And it's easy as that. So that's how easy it is to get involved in this craze they call the metaverse. Send it all to admin1 at ramblebytheriver.com with the subject line, give me that sweet freebie NFT. If you meet all the requirements, I'll throw it right at you. If you missed any of that, I know it was kind of jumbled. I'm in a hurry. Go to ramblebytheriver.com for detailed instructions. Connect with Ramble by the River on social media. 
You can find us at RambleByTheRiver.com on Facebook and Instagram, and at RambleRiverPod on Twitter. All this information, as well as most of the links you hear, can be found in the show notes for this episode, and a lot of this stuff is also at RambleByTheRiver.com. This week, my guest is David Casper. David is a roofer. And not just any roofer. He's a roofer that loves what he does. He gets up every day excited to climb up on the roof. He's looking down on all of us, feeling sorry for us. Because we're all just still in bed, lounging about, just wasting the day away. Not David. David's got his ass on a roof. He's fixing leaks. He's installing new roofing. He's doing tear-offs and new constructions both. He does it all. And he doesn't think of himself as better than us, even though he so clearly is. No, no, no. Not David. He's the most humble, most down-to-earth, other than the fact that he's super tall, because he is very tall, quite tall. Tall, thin man. He's trying to put on some mass, but it hasn't really worked yet. But it will, because he's the kind of guy who never gives up. When I knew David in high school, he was a a total goof who happened to be kick-ass at sports and never really seemed to have to put much effort into it. He was just naturally kind of a gifted athlete, very fast runner. The guy could run. Oh, yeah, he ended up starting a band, which was hilarious and fun, just great, just high quality, just high quality art. And yeah, just always had a fun time with David. So I'm glad he came and saw me on the show. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's a pretty goofy episode. It's fun. We bounce all over the place. A couple of guys just really leaning into our ADD. So I I hope you enjoy it. I really do. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You finally got a new car. Oh, it's been years. You've wanted a new car for so long and you finally made it happen, which was a pain in the ass. And it's here and you love your new car. It's everything you dreamed it would be. It's beautiful, it's shiny, it smells good. It's perfect. And you promise yourself, I will never let any of those messy little shits ruin my car. And obviously you're talking about your children. And you believe it. You mean this promise, you believe it, and you truly think that you'll be able to keep it clean. But then life happens. Before you know it, you're on your way to a game. You don't have time to stop and find a picnic table. So you let the kids eat a couple fries, right? What's a a couple fries? Poof, it's been six months. There's fries wedged under the seat. There's a melted apple core. There's 14 sticky sucker sticks stuck to the back of your seat. The floor is always sticky and wet. You're not sure why. And you tell yourself, you know, as soon as I get a little free time, I'm gonna spend a day and just clean this car. It needs it, it deserves it. I love my car. I I love my car. And months go by and your car stays dirty. Before you know it, it's been a year. A colleague asks if they can catch a ride to the staff party and you say no, because you're embarrassed. You say, I could, uh, 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 I can't, on account of the shame. On a lunch break, you're doing one of those fun Facebook surveys and it asks you how you keep your car, clean or dirty? And you answer clean, and you believe it. And then you think for a second, and you realize, no, your car hasn't been clean for a very long time. You're a dirty car person. Now, if this does sound familiar to you, it's time for you to call Night and Day Detailers. Mobile auto detailing for your busy life. They'll come right to you. They work in Oregon. They work in Washington. Night and Day Detailers takes care of the wash. They take care of polishing, vacuuming. All of the inside and out cleaning needs that you ever could have will be met by Night and Day Detailers. If you call right now and mention this ad and you purchase a full inside and out detail, 
you'll get a voucher for a free express detail, which is a power wash, vacuum out, and window cleaning. That's the bulk of a detail. That's It's really a free detail, especially because you've already had the full inside and out, so your shit's gonna be clean. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. You don't even have to mention this ad. You just call him at 503-858-2334 and tell him, hey, I want that full inside and out. Give it to me, Brian. And he'll, he'll give it to you, and then he'll give you that voucher. I've known Brian Martini a long time. He's a good dude. Puts a lot of pride in his work. He's the kind of guy who will do a very good job. He's the kind of guy who will give you a beautiful set of decorative dinosaur-themed novelty soaps as a gift 27 years ago. Just because he's a good friend. I mean, he's the kind of guy who might see you down in the dumps one day, drawing weird pictures of hands with fingers chopped off. And then instead of being like, teacher, this kid over here is drawing weird stuff, he might just sit down and draw a hand with you. He might just grab his own little colored pencil and draw a few stitches on, or a knife sticking in, or a cigarette burn, you know? He's that kind of a guy. Kind of guy who doesn't leave a friend. I know these are both very specific examples, but these are the examples I have of how great of a guy he is. So I trust him, and I vouch for him, and I think he'll do a really good job, and he won't steal your change out of your cup holder. I promise. Night and day detailers. Auto detailing for you. One more time, that is 503-858-2334. You can also hit him up on Facebook. Search for Brian Martini. I'll put a link on my page and in the show notes as well. Night and Day Detailers. Support the podcast. Go check them out and get your car cleaned. Without further ado, please enjoy this interview with the great and powerful David Casper. I'm free. Can't nobody take me. A little bright. It's pretty early <laughs> for a weekend. Oh yeah. Well, um, I mean, I've always got stuff going on. Yeah. I just yeah. Do you work weekends? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, most of the time I I try to at least. Yeah. You know. Side gigs or or your more normal job. Well, so I actually ended up leaving Doctor Roof. Oh, you did. I, yeah. I don't I don't work for Doctor Roof anymore. Hold that thought. We'll get into it. Let's get us all set up first. Though. Okay. So go ahead and throw those headphones on. Okay. Do you ever record? Have you ever recorded before? Um, not not as sophisticated as this. Oh, it's not so sophisticated. Okay. The closer you get, the sexier you will sound. Oh yeah. And that's just a fact. Let's see. Do you have any questions before we get started? Um. Well, I mean, there. Hold on. Are you recording right now? Yep, we're on. Okay. And cool. So we'll record for two hours. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I can help out. Absolutely. I've I've thought you'd be good at this for a while. I was actually. Surprised that like, I don't even know how long it's been now. But when you reached out and you're like, hey, I got a buddy who'd be great on the podcast. I was like, dude, I think you'd be great on the podcast. I don't care about your buddy. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean your buddy's probably cool, but 
I know that you happen to be a charismatic and funny person. So. Well, and it kind of like dipped my toes in the water, water too, because, you know, I had wanted to come on to your show and, you know, and kind of just like share some of the things that I've been through, some of the things that I've done and kind of, you know, help out. Maybe it'll help out somebody around the area. Yeah. I've been shocked at how much people actually get out of just listening to two people talk. It's really easy to forget that we're all pretty alike. And I think that when when you don't have a lot of face-to-face contact, you start to feel very isolated. Right. And that's not good for you on any level. No, uh, humans are very social people, you know, yeah. and uh, I know that because I've been in like self-isolation before. You know, once you make contact with somebody and have a connection, you know, how much better you feel. Yeah. So It's like food. Yeah. It's like water. It's a, it's a nutrient that we need to survive. It's true. That's the reason I started this podcast is just like, I'm alone too much. I don't get to have real conversations with people other than like, you know, ordering food or paying bills on the phone. That's not connection. No. It's like, I want to have a real conversation. I want to talk to people, you know, chew up the issues, talk, just be a human. Anyway, thanks for coming. It's good to have you here. It's been a while since we've had a chat. Yeah. I see you all the time too, because we're both driving around constantly. Oh yeah. No, I see you. I see your brother. Yeah. Yeah. So what you been up to, man? Oh, well, now I've been, uh, I'm doing construction. Cool. I was uh, working for Dr. Roof for a really long time, and that was was a really great experience. Um, And yeah, now I'm doing uh, house remodels. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I've been having a, yes. Yeah, I've been helping out uh, some people in the community. you know, doing roofs, you know, putting in windows, framing. Um, and I have some aspirations to uh, start uh, building pole barns. Oh, cool. Yeah. I see those going up a lot. Yes. They're really, really popular mm-hmm. around here. We're in one now. Yes. Yes, yeah. we are. Simple construction, easy to, ass- well, I mean, not easy to assemble, but if you have the equipment and, the, you know, the know-how. Yes. Somewhat easy compared to a house. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I want to build a pole barn and uh, make a house out of it and a shop, mm-hmm. you know, so then I could, you know, either, you know, choose to manufacture cabinets or, um, you know, do things, you know, that nature. It actually t- took me a long time to get into the construction industry um, because, well, I mean, I didn't think that, you know, I'd be able to make it really. You weren't grandfathered in? Your dad didn't do it? Well, no, my dad did you oh, know, he was a construction worker? Well, it's not that he was a dis- construction worker. He did it when he was younger. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, we would do projects around the house and stuff like that. We cedar-sided one side of the house that had a hot tub next to it and built, like, a little shed. But, you know, nothing, like, really extensive. I didn't, you know, I saw what he was doing and stuff like that, but he, he wasn't, like, really breaking it down. Because most of the stuff that we would do would be when, you know, during the summer, and it'd just be for a, a little bit, like, here and there. He yeah. didn't really... That's ex- kind of what I mean. Like, say, I was in the same situation. My dad was a body man, worked on cars. But he did little construction projects enough for me to learn how to do basic stuff. But still, when I went out to try to apply for jobs with that as my background, I didn't feel confident that I was going to be able to convince them, like, look at my experience. I have I have all this experience. Whereas somebody like, um, like Lindstrom, Bryce, you know Bryce? Uh, it's not ringing a bell. He's uh, his dad is owns Linsome Constructions. He's grown up in it. It's like there's no question when that guy goes to apply for a job. It's like yeah, you got the experience. I mean, he was driving a dump truck at like I don't know twelve. <laughs> he's like he's just always been in it. And I should get him on the podcast too. Actually, Bryce would be a cool guest. 
But um, I didn't have that. It, it would have been different if I was going to apply for a job as a, a body worker because I felt like I've, I grew up in that. But yeah, you have to like prove yourself more. There's barriers to entry in that world, mm-hmm. which I'm sure people like Glenn from Dr. Roof, he yeah. probably experienced that getting started and now he's the king of the roof. Oh, yeah. And it's just like you got to put in your time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he is, you know, one of one of my inspirations. I know that. Uh, what a businessman. Yeah. Really built a killer business. Oh, yeah. I don't know him real well, but his ability to do that, just build that business from the ground up, really impressive. Yeah, no, uh, you know, him and I became uh, pretty good friends, you know, while I was working for him and stuff. And yeah, I mean, I just, I really, really enjoyed, you know, what he built because I was able to, you know, learn you know, because he facilitated, you know, um, that he gave business. you that space to grow. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. So, um, yeah, I was like really thankful for that, for sure. Uh, when you were roofing, were you doing what kind of roofing were you doing? Mostly repairs or new constructions <clears throat> or what? So, I started out doing metal roofs actually. Um, Lots of caulking. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. It was like a single standing uh, seam. So oh. there were like hidden fasteners and they would like snap in. The click in ones. Yeah. yeah. They cool. click in. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. So they I thought. They last a lot longer than having to put glob of caulking on every screw. They last a lot longer than, uh, you know, uh, like compositional roofing. So. Yeah. And for the audience, what's compositional roofing? That's like your uh, Owens Corning. Like three tab? Like three tab. You know, things Asphalt that nature. roofing. Yes. Yeah. What about torch down? Does that count as compositional? Um, it's an asphalt product, but uh, no. Okay. And that's actually a dying breed of roofing too. Yeah. I know I know how to do that, but it's only for like, uh, I've only done like uh, little repairs yeah. and stuff like that, little patches and stuff where they already had torch down. And so then we just prep out the area and then just, you know, put a patch over it. Mm-hmm. Now they have um, like a PVC type material. What is that, TPO? It's uh, TPO is one of them, and then there's also uh, PVC. They're two different types of uh, material. How do you tell the difference? You know, it's kind of difficult to tell the difference. I have a trick. Yeah. Light it on fire. Yeah. One of them turns black, the other one doesn't. Oh, wow. I don't remember which. I think the PVC turns black, the TPO doesn't. Yeah, you're all burning it. You ever do TPO or, or PVC roofs, like a Walmart or something? You uh, guys do big, big jobs? Oh, yeah. No, I did a huge job down south in uh, Cloverdale. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually put together um, a school down there. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was a huge school. It had like 13 different roofs on it. and uh, Like old ones? Uh, yeah, but there was also new ones too because uh, they had built a whole nother section. And uh, we came in and did all the flat roof on there. And uh, yeah, I almost died. Really? Yeah, I almost I almost suffered a, a, a really big injury, which, you know, um, going back, one of the difficult reasons to get into uh, construction is it is dangerous. Yeah. You know, there is you can get seriously injured. And people completely discredit that. Yeah. Like people yeah. die in that field all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I could have died a couple of times, whether or from, you know, falling or things of that nature. And I've seen people fall off the roof, you know, and it's uh, it's not fun. No. No. Did they, were they harnessed up? Um, well, one, yes. And then the other one, you know, no. Did they survive? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Must have been a not very tall roof, or they fell into some grass, well, or like, one of those awnings like above a like a a little market. I'm pretty sure you can jump off of like an eight story building if there's one of those awnings, mm-hmm. you know, right in front of a market, and you'll just land on the awning and yeah. you bounce right off. You'll be fine. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're anticipating, you know, or trash cans. Yeah, you know. if you're anticipating jumping, you know, you can kind of plan where you're gonna be landing at. But I mean, if you're sliding and uh, picking up momentum, I mean, it's no, there's no telling where your trajectory might might take you. Was that is that what happened? The guy slid down and slid off. Uh, yeah. That's gotta be so terrifying. Yeah. The feeling of knowing you're going, you're just like, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's nothing to grab. What kind of roof was it? A uh, metal one. Ooh, fluted? Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. Well, he had only fell probably like 14 feet, but uh, he picked up a lot of lot of speed. That's a long slide. way. 14 yeah. feet is not a short drop. No, no. That hurts the ankles. Yeah. Get that little sting. Yeah. You might break a leg. <laughs> Did he break anything? <laughs> yeah, he broke his leg. Yeah. <laughs> he broke his leg and uh, really messed up one of his ankles. And he was actually my uh, um, carpenter mentor. And... Uh, yeah, he he's a he's a character, I'll tell you what. And uh this roof in particular that we were doing was actually uh Crest Nova Celix. Um Oh no it, shit. Yeah. And so of Nirvana fan. Yeah, of Nirvana. Wow. He, was, he was the bass player and uh yeah, I was like really stoked, you know, that I was able to do a project for the guy because, you know, I love listening to Nirvana, you know, and you know, I wasn't like uh, starstruck or anything like that. Like, I, you know, he's just he's a regular, normal dude, normal dude, just like everybody else. But, you know, it was a really cool experience to, like, be a part of that. And so I was. That is really cool. But it was, uh, yeah, a shame that, you know, my uh, mentor had to, you know, fall off the roof. In front of Chris Novoselic, too. Well, it wasn't in front of him. Um, I bet it, he found out about it. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. Well, he was he was a, he was around. So. It was a a morning, you know, around around this time a year, probably like three years ago, and uh, I was working on my section of the roof. We're getting ready to like get finished with this roof, and so we're kind of in a hurry. And uh, my boss comes up and he is, uh, you know, helping me out on the other side. And so I go down to go grab a panel and install it. And as I do, I hear him go, "Oh shit." And freaking, I hear him kick the ladder. The ladder, you know, falls on the ground. And as he's sliding and I'm running around the building because I was going to push him. Uh-huh. I was going to like push him on the way down to like maybe, uh, you know, soften the blow. But he had almost landed it. He came down on his feet, but one of his ankles has had twisted and just buckled. Oh. And, and I like, and I was just like, I kind of like ran over him. And I was like, oh, my God. And, yeah, we just, like, locked eyes. And, you know, there was nothing that we could, you know, do at that particular moment because the damage had already had been done. And it was just, like, a really helpless feeling. And he had gotten up. And he is trying to walk off this pain. Is the bone sticking out? No. Oh, good. No, but he's he's busted. He had gotten x-rays afterwards. But he is trying to walk this pain off. And he's he's walking. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my you God. You know, but like, you know, after the fact, like, I had saw that he had almost stuck the landing. And I was kind of hoping that, you know. That's probably what caused the break. Right. Like that absorbing that shock instead of just crumpling yeah Yeah. well he had crumpled but 
you know, not in the way that, you know, you would be, you know, not injured. His body made a new joint. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, it was, it was pretty uh, intense. And so he's like trying to walk it off and, and I'm like, Hey man, you know, we should go to the hospital. And he's all like, nope. And he's your boss. Yeah. So it's like, he's not going to listen to you. Yeah, exactly. Even you're the one who clearly is not in shock. Right. So you are the one to listen to. Yeah. So yeah, he's in shock. And I was like, dude, you're going to be in a lot of pain here pretty soon. And he's just like, no, I'm good. I'm just, you know, going to walk this off for a second. We need to finish this roof. And all I got left is ridge cap. You know, so I'm I'm putting on my pieces as fast as I can. I'm running back and forth while he's sitting in the van. And as I'm watching him, he's like just slowly starting to like, you know, change his posture while he's sitting and his head's like getting a little bit further down and, you know, he's and I, out. no, well, no, he's just trying to deal with this pain that is now, you know, cause the adrenaline is now wearing off. He's sitting down and he's starting to get into a lot of pain. And so I'm like one piece away from being done on this roof. And he goes, Hey, Dave. Yeah, you got to take me home. And so I took him home. And uh not the hospital, huh? Not the hospital. Did he yeah, I'm sure he went. Uh yes. Yeah. Yeah, later on well he had promised me that he would he would go. So I had dropped him off, but I mean, yeah, my bosses and stuff back at the office, they weren't too happy about that. They were like, you know, you should have took him to the hospital, but I I had reported it and you know, everything worked out just fine. Yeah. Why is it that men don't want to go to the hospital because we're we're tough we are very tough so tough hospitals are for wimps (laughs) but i i feel it when i'm hurt i really don't want to go yeah and and i in my mind it's because of the inconvenience of the whole thing it's like oh you go to the emergency room you're waiting and waiting they just like look at you like you're annoying them Mm -hmm. it's like ugh. but men die for that reason that's like cited as the main reason why women's lifespans are longer because men do not go to the hospital when they're sick. Women do. Well, yeah. Around the same time that uh, my mentor had fell, there was a a man who actually died from a head injury in the, in the construction industry. And the story went is that he suffered the injury, went into the hospital, and the line was too long. So he had decided to go back home and go to, go to sleep and never woke up. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, the head injury is a bad one because it makes you make bad decisions. Right. Like, I don't want to wait. I'm in a hurry. My brain's bleeding. Like, that sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. You ever get a good head injury? Um, You know, I've been uh, been avoiding them, but uh, one thing that saved my life is a hard hat. God damn, they're the best. Oh my gosh. Very nice accessory. It wasn't until I was working on a uh, on a school we were required to have all the PPE, you know, safety glasses at all time, high vis, you Does know, OSHA check on you guys a lot? Oh yeah. Yeah, but uh yeah, I was working on this roof and I had these 10-foot sticks of metal that I was using for wall trim. You know, our flat roof would come up and then my wall trim, you know, which was metal, would cap over it. You know, so then when the water hit the wall, it would hit my flashing and then come down to the roof. And so I took this flashing and I put it up on this upper roof where I was working and I went to go um, work underneath, underneath where I'd set this metal. And as I was setting it up there, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I shouldn't 
have that metal up there. But is it like floppy stuff? No, it's not floppy. It's it's Hard. pretty pretty sturdy. It had a you know a profile on it. Was you it know, stainless? Uh, no. Okay, because that would be really hard. No, it was just a, aluminum. But this uh, this was like after I got done uh, cutting my 45 um, degree cuts on there, you know, up to a point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yes. So you made you a see, bunch of spears. Yeah. You, yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of know where this is going. And I'm, I'm working underneath it and I'm working with my apprentice and the wind kicked up and he said that every piece every piece had individually spread out and then directed straight for my head oh my god and what it felt like to me in my perspective it just felt like somebody had came up and just superman punched me right in the back of the head i went flying down to the ground and you know immediately get back up and you know my apprentice is just wide-eyed and he's like holy shit are you all right dude and he's like you have no idea what just happened yeah so, i mean let me get this straight you had a pile of these pieces of metal long skinny flat they fly pretty well in a straight line, right? And then you pointed them with a 45-degree point like a spear, and then they blew off the roof and kind of like separated a little bit at the ends, I imagine, and then managed to only hit your head? Yes. Where you're wearing protection? Right on the brim. They all hit my head. You would be fucking dead. Yes. That's crazy. No, I would I would have been skewered, you know, if I wouldn't have had my helmet on or my hard hat, it would have like punctured the back of my head and then, you know, my apprentice would have had to kind of just watch me die. Yeah. God. Man, when so I roofed a little bit for mm-hmm. like six months out in Portland, right before I started the job I have now. And I didn't know really what I was doing, but the we were doing tear off. And it was like me and six other guys who were maybe two or three years experienced and then one project lead who had 20 years of experience or something. And I was upset because I it just felt like I was doing more work. I don't remember. I was irritated. And Calm. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I and it felt like there was nothing left to do. And I was, oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. I was chafing my in between my oh, legs yeah. really bad. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was nothing else to do. I had been working really hard. Everyone else had been like wh- like just standing around for a while. So I was like, fuck, can I just go home? Like, what? Wh- why am I still here? And um, he's like, go down and level out the dumpster. I realized after like I was kind of being a bitch. Mm. And so he's like, get in the fucking dumpster. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And then I assumed, since he told me to get in the dumpster, he would tell the rest of the guys, hold off on throwing these three-inch thick chunks of old roof oh, yeah. off of this four-story building into this dumpster. We didn't have a chute or anything. It was just like oh, a, a giant open brown dumpster, and they were just throwing these giant chunks, like as big as you could grab and throw off the edge of the roof, into the dumpster. So when you do that, they all land in one spot. Every once in a while, you got to get in there and spread them around so it's even. Right. So I got in there, I was throwing pieces of roofing, throwing, and I was wearing my hard hat, and then all of a sudden, I'm flattened, and I'm underneath a big piece of roofing. Oh, and, my god! Um, so it's like a piece of plywood with, with melted tar all over it, basically. Super heavy. Yeah. And it just fucking flattened me like a pancake. Oh. Luckily, actually, because if it would have been in one spot, it could have killed me. Yeah. But it, like, it was spread out, so it just... And just it sounded just like what you said, where it's like a Superman punch, and except it was my whole body. Yeah, <laughs> and it just fucking crushed me. But I was fine. I got up because my head was protected, 
and I was in stuff that had some give to it. So mm -hmm. I just like squished into it. I was so pissed and I was, I was furious and I'm climbing up the ladder. And right after that, the guy, my boss, who I was mad at him because I thought he should have protected me. He walked on to a 16 penny nail and it went straight through his foot all the way, all the way through his foot and oh, came yeah. out the top. And he pulled that fucking thing out of his foot and went on with his day. Yeah. Didn't quit. Didn't go home. I was like, I, I'll stop being a bitch. Yep. My, my chafing is okay. Yeah. And yeah, that was like a moment where I realized these people are, they're tougher than me. I'm not meant for this work. I'm sitting there up to my elbows in mastic, smearing it around, trying to, it's like, nah, this is too hard. <laughs> nah. It's too hard. It is hard. It is just grueling. It is. But- I mean, it can be really rewarding work. Yeah, though. I get it. I get a kick out of it because I'm more of the type that will go up and do the sketchy stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, so my mentors, they really liked me for that, you know, and that's kind of how I got in with the with my apprenticeship. You could probably climb like a spider. Huh? I can. I bet. You know, and uh, one thing that's important is having the right footwear. Oh, yeah. What do you use? I use extra toughs. Like rubber extra tufts? Rubber extra tufts. Steel toe, I'm sure. No. 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 Man, we, we got the same equipment. That's yeah. what I use too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, that is the best shoe. They laugh for... you off the roof in Portland for that. They what? Laugh you off the roof. For they... extra tufts? Yeah. No Every way. single person wears like work boots with steel toes. Yeah. Like big, like, like I'm kind of like I'm wearing now, except for like, these are like hippie boots. Right. But though they're, they have like the thick leather, big, it's like you're wearing a, fucking cinder block on your foot yeah you have no mobility no uh i can't stand those. i can't do still toe because i'm going to be on my knees and i need to have that flex in my toe me too you know um, you can't walk properly without that flex no your, your gait's all messed up that's right you'll mess up your back that's right too speaking of backs how was your back you had a bad back injury in high school i did have a bad back injury in high school and uh um yeah i mean i've been roofing for like four years and uh yeah it feels great you healed, huh? I, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I had a back brace in high school for a little while, and man, that thing was so embarrassing to wear. It looked like a bullet, a bulletproof vest. That everybody, I mean, that's like a Hollywood thing. Like the back brace is yeah. like the embarrassing thing in high school, right? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It didn't seem. I, I don't remember it being like goofy or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd I'd wear it like sometimes, you know, but mm -hmm. you know that thing was so uncomfortable I bet. And, and stuff like that. After a while, I stopped wearing it, and yeah. uh, you know, I it just kind of fixed itself. I was your Forrest Gump. Yeah, you just ran right out of those I just leg ran braces. Right out of it. Yeah the uh, the back brace. Have you ever watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Um, I've seen some episodes. Yeah, it's a good it's pretty, show. Pretty funny. Sweet D, she has a back brace. Oh yeah, that's right. It's yeah. Yeah, she's the one that looks like the bird. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great show. Hell yeah. Those guys are doing a podcast now. Oh cool. And it's pretty funny. They just they talk about every episode of the show mm -hmm. in, in order, which is actually a really smart way to monetize your your intellectual property. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we made this show for fourteen years. Now we'll make another show talking about the show. Yeah. It's a smart way to make money. Sure. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so before that back injury, you were really into running. Like I remember you being one of the up and coming prospects for the 400 meter dash. That's right. You 
You were very fast in that. What was your 400 time? Um, it was 52 seconds. And that was in like ninth or 10th grade? Right? That was, uh, yeah, I was a sophomore and uh, I would I would go to state, um, you know, as a freshman and a sophomore. Yeah, I remember that. And it came out of kind of out of nowhere because you weren't in, you weren't like friends with the kids who were the, like, remember the running crew mm-hmm. who was like, you know, Dylan Workless, Sean Peterson, all those guys, Jordan Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't like your crew. And then all of a sudden you're kicking their asses and you were younger than them too. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Uh, for the short distance, yes. But they would just absolutely annihilate me, uh, you know, in distance. They're cross country guys. Yes, I know. And most of them still are. Yeah. They still would annihilate. They're they're great athletes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, actually going to the gym um, for the last couple of months and i've been putting on a you know a pound every week i've been uh really working on getting out of this uh string bean you know mm. type of build it's tough you know? yeah it is yeah you're a, what is that a ectomorph where you have you heard of those the body types an echo ectomorph. it's like a endomorph mesomorph and an ectomorph are the three general body types and you can be in between somewhere but an endomorph endo meaning inside you you hold calories on your body. Mm-hmm. Endomorphs tend to be bigger. They have thicker bones. They're, you can tell at their wrist, they're usually thicker. If you have a real thin wrist, if you can do this, you're, take your own fingers and connect your middle finger and thumb around your own wrist, you're not an ectomorph. Uh, a mesomorph is kind of in the middle. I'm a mesomorph. Like you can put on weight if you put in effort into putting on weight and you can lose weight pretty much the same way. Like gaining and losing weight is not all that difficult. You have a little bit of control. But it completely depends on your lifestyle and like what you're eating, how much calories you're burning every day. And then in ectomorph is somebody who sheds calories, somebody who doesn't hold. So I think you're probably an ectomorph. Okay. So when you eat, your body takes what it needs and it doesn't have the impulse to be like, all right, well, just in case I'm going to store some of this right above your ass, Mm. like right on those love handles. Yeah. Like my body. Uh, Your body's just like, yeah, we'll find more food later. Let's burn this shit and get rid of the rest. Yeah. Like, no, I do eat for my energy level for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I I get full pretty quick. Yeah, you know, and it's hard for me to stay appetized. I guess. Yeah, you know. So you smoke weed? Oh hell yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you would think so, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do it. I've been doing it, you know, for quite a while now, and you know, it just kind of seems like the norm now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't give you the munchies like it did like it back used. Yeah, used to, yeah. <laughs> that was. An insane level of craving back, back like <laughs> yeah. high school years. I remember eating a handful of frozen tater tots. Oh, really? Just because I was so hungry. Oh, my gosh. And, it, you know, I couldn't handle the waiting minute and 45 seconds right. for the microwave. I always went for the uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, man. Dude. I still do. Yeah. I still love them. Right. You ever had an, un- an uncrustable? Yeah, I have. Such a nonsense product. Like right. when I first saw them, I was like, who the fuck would buy this? Yeah. And my kids wanted them. So we started buying them. They're actually pretty good. Yes. They're actually pretty good. And very handy. Yeah. Yeah. I Quick, actually like them you know, a lot. Instant gratification. Mm-hmm. The snack of the millennials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we go through a box a week. Yeah. Like the Costco box. Kids are just, they're built out of uncrustables. Oh, yeah. A week if you let them. Just without guilt. Just being like, I'm just going to eat. All of them. And it's just like, I don't need to eat dinner. I'll eat 20 Uncrustables. Yep. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. I bought I bought a, pa- a box of these Oreos, 60 packs, and each pack had only two Oreos in it, which sounds ridiculous, but that's a serving of Oreos. Okay. Two two cookies. 
And that lasted less than a week. It's like, damn, kids, putting away some Oreos. Yep. And granted, I do get up in the night and feast uncontrollably. Uh, but I don't remember that, so I don't know who's doing what. <laughs> you do some sleep eating? I do a lot of it, yeah. Oh, wow. Daily sleep eating. Okay. I am not all that healthy as far as my daily routines go. Okay. I, I do a lot of um, insomniac shit. Like where I don't sleep for a night and then uh, I just feel weird and it messes with it, it messes with your endocrine system. So like my hunger will just be out of control one moment and then non-existent the next. It's weird. Yeah. But so I'll wake up or not even wake up. I will. I don't know what you call it because I'm not awake, but I will rise from bed hungry in the night and usually around two or three and then just find myself in the kitchen eating and happens pretty much every day if it doesn't i wake up feeling great i don't wake up with a stomach ache and feeling like all tired and gross and it's funny too because my dad did it my dad did it all the time hmm. and he but yeah i don't know i don't know how to break my break that habit but it's yeah it is what it is it is what it is yeah i enjoy me a good oreo no they're quite good yeah they're quite good oh yeah you know they make carrot cake oreos i had no idea they, they've got to have 20 different flavors of Oreos. I just like the original. I do too. Or maybe even like the double stuff. I, you know, I went outside my comfort zone and I got those because, yeah. I was a little bit of extra. years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who needs double yeah. Oreo? But they're double. Good. Yeah, they're they are. Good. They are good. Yeah. It's good to mix it up every now and then. I like a little bit more cream with my cookie. Me too. Do you still open them up and eat the cream out I first? I do not. No grown up does that. Yeah, I stopped. But you know what? All kids do it. And monkeys also do it. Whoa. Why do you think that is? What uh, changes? Does it just start to feel silly? Like, what is the deal? No, I mean, I'd, I'd do it, you know, and just, to, you know, if I if I was bored. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm just so used to getting down to business, you know. I actually think they taste better together with, yeah. with the cream and the cookie. Exactly. When I was a kid, I remember knowing in no uncertain terms that, that's the best way to eat an Oreo. You mm -hmm. bust that bitch open, scrape out the middle, and then you, you maybe you eat the cookie if you got some milk. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe. You might just have a stack of them over here. No, yeah. I was always eating those. Those are good. One time my brother, we were uh, – my dad was asleep, and it was just me and him like watching movies and eating Oreos. And we had a whole pack of them, and he took and opened every cookie and scraped the cream out and put it in a ball – and then just like threw the cookies away. And he just, at the end, he just had this dirty tennis ball sized ball of cream. Whoa. <laughs> and he ate it. It was really gross. My dad was furious. Oh my gosh. Like, in his mind, he just wasted a pack of cookies. Oh yeah. And But to Jake, it was like, this is revolutionary. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is, <laughs> this he, is great. He took this idea and accelerated it to the next level. Yes. Which is what all fine dining should do. Oh Yes. Yeah, he had made himself a piece of art exactly. that he could eat. Exactly. <laughs> he should have made cakes. Yeah. My son's been making cakes lately. He just figured out how to bake a cake. So now lately, every time he's hungry, he's just like, you mind if I make a cake? And he'll just bake a cake. That's awesome. Make a glaze for it and put a, the glaze on it. The glaze does look just like cum, so it's kind of gross looking at the end. Sure. Because he puts the glaze on when it's like the cake's still warm, okay. so it like half melts in. Mm -hmm. And he does the – it's like a – it's just a, a simple glaze, you know, confectioner sugar, a little bit of water, maybe a little lemon juice or orange juice, some citrus, just to, you know, give it a little citrus zest. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just drizzle that on the top. Looks just like cum. The first couple times I saw him do it, like I'm my kids are young. 
my wife is not immature. So there's like no one around to laugh at this cake with me. And I really, <laughs> I was like, really bummed. She doesn't see it. Yeah. You're all like, you know. Look at the jizz cake. Yeah. Come on, guys. No, <laughs> nobody. Okay. Well, I guess I'll have a slice. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty cool. You cook much? Uh, I don't. Um, I mean, my culinary skills are pretty uh, limited. I usually just make some chicken, mm-hmm. you know, some chicken and rice. You ever get you know? bored of that? Um, not yet. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. What kind of rice do you like? Um, white rice. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, the brown rice, that was a phase. Mm-hmm. It's not as good. No. And I don't think it's that much better for you. No. Well, and like in Chinese ter- or perspective, like uh, the pork fried rice, like that, that one's good every now and then. But Is that even brown rice or is that just like brown because it's cooked? Fuck, I don't know. I don't either. But it's delicious. Yeah. I love a good fried rice. Yeah. You can put anything in it too. You can it's delicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, we started doing HelloFresh, the meal delivery service. So they send oh. us a box every Monday with three or four meals in it. So And they're, it's just like pre-measured ingredients with a recipe card. So you pull a bag out, it has what it is on the bag, open it up. Every ingredient is already measured. So you just have to either cut it up or whatever. And it, it, the instructions are really simple. It walks you through the entire recipe. And the food is awesome. I've been really, really impressed. Highly recommend. If you want to try it, I'll get. I have a, f- a coupon for like sharing with other people. They gave us for free. For yeah, free you meals. know that. I've yeah. been actually pretty curious about signing up for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the only thing that held me back is if it would be cost effective and you know, and make sense. You yeah. Know, and, so it's not cheap. Yeah. The, it's that's like what I figured. Ten dollars a serving, which. It's not cheap, but it's also not that expensive. Mm-hmm. I spend ten dollars a serving no matter where I go. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I that's rare that I would get a meal for under ten bucks. If you're feeding kids, nah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. They waste too much food. Right. But if you're feeding adults, like we get the, you can get it in two servings or four. We get it, two servings for me and Melissa. The servings are decent size. Like sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small, but they're usually just perfect. And yeah, actually, if you're trying to gain weight. The two serving meal plan would mm-hmm. fit very well. Yeah, because like I could easily eat two servings, uh, most of the meals. But their burgers are the best burgers that I've ever made. A lot of the food is actually everything I cook tastes the same because I know what I like and I put the same amount of salt and pepper on everything and a little paprika and garlic and I cooked with the same shit all the time, so it always tastes very similar. And I like my food, but now it's like these recipes were designed by chefs, so mm-hmm. they're very very good yeah they taste good it tastes like somebody else cooked it yeah even though i cooked it so it's cool yeah that's awesome if you want to try it though don't let me forget and i'll give you one of these cards before we go okay i I think we'll give you like three free meals or something like that. sweet yeah but anyway yeah that's cool i actually was curious about that and nobody that i knew was doing it Mm -hmm. so you know we just started doing it because I spent i started spending too much money eating out Mm -hmm. because you get tired and you don't want to like cook Sometimes it's just like the idea of like trying to figure out what to cook out of a limited basket of ingredients. It's like this isn't fucking chopped. I just want yeah. to have it prepared for me or have it laid out so where I can just walk through it and be done in half an hour and eat my food. Yeah. And it's nice. And I cook with Melissa most of the time. So it's like we get to hang out and talk while we're, you know, chopping vegetables. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's a cool that's a good bonding bonding mm-hmm. deal. That's important. It's nice. Um, have you uh, tried uh, using a crock pot? Oh God, I love the crock yeah. pot. You do See, a lot now, of crock pot. Oh yeah. What are yeah, you cooking I'll, in there? Chicken. chicken. Like usually salsa chicken. 
Oh, yeah. Like I like I like doing that, like a little bit of salsa, a little bit of water, put it in there, set it, forget it, you know, come back to it and shred know, it up, shred it up, put it in tortilla. That's right. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. You ever make your own salsa? No. Oh, man, it's fun. I don't have I don't have time for that. I'm too busy up on the roof. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it does take a long time. It's like an hour long process. Sure. I've already put the recipe out there, so I'm not going to go through it again. But I make a damn good roasted uh, tomatillo salsa. Oh, hell yeah. It's so good. But yeah, it's one of my faves. Yeah. You might have to hook me up with that. Yeah. The recipe's on. What? Whose episode was that? Alex Moses. Oh. Yeah. Alex Moses. Um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? You probably want to talk about my infamous band, Bag I of do. Grass. I do. I have. Yeah, that was on my list. <laughs> I'm going to see if you're going to bring it up. That was a very good high school memory. Yeah. So back in high school, um, when I had suffered this back injury that we were talking about earlier, um, I was so depressed. You know, there was just a bunch of things that happened uh, during that um, sophomore summer. Um, I had lost my grandmother. You know, she, had a, uh, she was at a pretty young age. Um, and I was like just going through so much, you know, sadness, you know, with that. You know, uh, she had gotten like a blood clot or something like that. And it had traveled to her legs and like totally like shut down her legs. And yeah, she'd later on die. Um and uh, I, then uh, I was coming back and I was at practice, but I had gotten an x-ray for, for my back because I was just all like, you know, my back is just killing me all the time. You know, I'm, I'm like running around and stuff like that. And I'm just in and it's inflamed like one of, one of my, uh, you know, the muscles in my back were just like one side was just bulging like crazy. Is that what was going on, a bulging disc? Yeah. Uh. Or, or so they had said that it was like spina bifida or whatever, which was, you know, something that, you know, happens at birth, but it, it wasn't like a severe case of it or whatever. So was this something that you had your whole life and you just, yeah. it was getting worse? And it was, and it was getting worse. And I think it was because, um, well, because I was doing football, you know, and I was just, you know, hitting people as hard as I possibly could. And then, um, you know, wrestling, I would do, I would you know, do that. And I mean, we're throwing each other around, twisting around. Um, and I actually, you know, I, there was nobody for me to wrestle other than, um, uh, Bobby Chrislip. And he, you know, would outweigh me by like, you know, a lot. Yeah. You know, so by over a hundred pounds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause I was like only like 145 pounds back in high school. And, uh, Oh, where was it going? Oh, yeah. But I, what I think did it in was a high jump in track. Oh. Yeah. Just that overextending? Yeah. Whenever okay. I would arch my uh, back. Man, you were good at all those things. Yeah. You were a good athlete. Yeah. Thank you. Well, because I was a good athlete, I feel like that made it a lot easier for me to um, do roofing, mm-hmm. you know, because there's some athletics that definitely have to be exercised. Anyone who's never carried a sheet of plywood up a ladder is not going <laughs> to understand that. But yeah. dude. That shit is insanely hard. Oh, yeah. All, all of that is hard. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, you get one shot at it, man. And uh, don't mess it up. Because, yeah. yeah, you could hurt yourself or you could hurt somebody else. Yeah. But um, so anyways, sports are out. You know, I can't do sports anymore. So I uh, pick up a guitar and uh, I start practicing it. And I was like looking up how to play this guitar. 
so I learned a couple of chords and everything like that. I'm still like a beginner, and they in uh, the high school has put out an ad for Battle of the Bands, and so. I was like, you know what? This is great. You know, this is a sanctioned activity, you know, and this is a way for me to like feel awesome because I would feel so awesome, you know, doing these sports and in football, like laying somebody out and wrestling, pinning somebody or, you know, beating somebody in a race, you know, a foot race. What'd you play in football? Were you safety? No, I was a uh, defensive back, right? No. Uh, yeah. I was or a like, linebacker. I remember you getting some really good tackles. Yeah. You were very good at well. Defense. It was the it was the special teams. Oh, okay, you know when I was really able to like pick up some speed and mm-hmm. you know just yeah hit somebody at at full speed. Yeah, we kind of got lucky being the last generation that got to just like destroy our brains. Yeah, they don't let them do that anymore. Oh yeah, no, I I've suffered so many concussions. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Do you remember the drill where we would get on our hands and knees and bash into each other? Yes, for no reason. Yeah, fisherman bam bam. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I was actually paired up with uh, RJ. and uh, One of the hardest heads ever. Oh, he gave me a concussion. Dude, yeah, and I was I was like, all right, I'm going to do this as hard as I can. I think I can, you know, hit you harder. Oh, yeah, man, I concussed myself pretty good on him. I like, yeah. saw cross-eyed, and I was like, okay, I need to... I need to sit down. He's built like an English bulldog. It's true. Like he's, it, I mean, picture his, just his proportions compared to yours. You're a little lanky. Yeah. That man is not lanky. No. He's like a bowling ball. There's, there's just like, and it, he was strong and fast too. Oh, yeah. And very aggressive. Yes. He was a fun guy to play football with too. That's true. Yeah. I hope RJ's doing good. Yeah. I was, yeah, I think I got him on Facebook and I was like, yeah, I think he had a birthday not too long ago or something like that. And yeah, it seems like he's doing really good. Still looks like a beast. Yeah, I bet he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out RJ. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so, sorry. Where were we? I cut you off. So uh, I am trying out for Battle of the Bands and uh, I run into a guy named Talon, you know, and I met him before and he had played the drums and I was like, hey, you know, did you see this Battle of the Bands thing? You know, we should, you know, go go through and do this, like make up some songs. And so he's like, yeah. And so we meet up and we're like, hey, uh, so what should we name the band? And uh, oh, actually, you know, before that, I had gotten dropped off at his house and uh, we, we go to set up to do our first jam session. And we actually play, uh, played uh, Smells Like Team Spirit by Nirvana. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was like the first song that we jammed to. And it was so awesome. It was something that I had never experienced before in my life. And I was like, this is this is sweet. OK, like, yeah, I'm going to be playing guitar because I'm getting such a, a great feeling from this. Much Music like Music is drugs. Yeah. It's it, magic. And and it's very powerful, which, you know, would make uh, turn out to be the demise of uh, Bag of Grass as well. Too so, much power Too much just raw energy. It was it was uh, it was something else, hmm. you know, because uh, we were we would record these songs and we would post them up on uh, uh, what was it? MySpace. You know, and we'd ha- we'd be able to have like four songs on there. So then we just like make these like funny songs. It, w- it was more of like a, a they were comedy so funny. band. Yeah, <laughs> they were so funny. Yeah, it was before Lonely Island. Right. So it was just it was a comedy band. But I was like, I was serious about it. Yeah, you know, I was serious about this funny comedy band that we would do punk songs and we do, you know, stuff like that. So the writing was very funny. We uh, we we go through our first assembly and uh, our band name was uh, Bag of Grass, which, you know, 
Obvious weed reference. Obvious weed reference. And, you know, totally not school appropriate. I still remember how they introduced you. Yes. So this, our next band was, they had took their inspiration from Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. And um, yeah. here they are. Bag of grass. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Bag of grass. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we go on and, and do our set and stuff. Just, you know, silly songs. People went nuts, though. Oh, my it, gosh. It was very well received. I got, yeah, it, it was, too. And so they had like episode uh, two of uh, Battle of the Bands, which we were the only the only band that participated. Like there was other people that were playing music and that were really talented and really awesome, though. But yeah, they weren't bands and, uh, you know, they weren't getting up there and doing it. You know, I was just like, I don't care. You actually put on a performance. Right. Yeah. And other people got up there and and played us a song, Mm -hmm. but you put on a show. That's right. And the next time, so I'm sitting in guitar class um, with Alex Mack, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and he, uh, and I'm all like, "Hey, man, you know, like, what do you what do you think of my stuff?" And he's like, "Give uh, given some pretty negative responses and stuff like that." And you know, I was like, "Well, well, then why don't why don't you do it?" And uh, I end up going to jam with Taylor afterwards, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you know, this is kind of bumming me out." Alex was like, "You know, not really digging our stuff," and uh, we just, you know. We're just all like, oh, man, that sucks. And so then we totally made this bad song about him. Diss track. Yeah, it was bad. We, uh, you know, had... I thought that one was funny, too. Man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I liked so, it So, you know, because I, I thought, you know, I, you know, I... He was mad. Oh, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> that was actually one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. And it made me realize how powerful you know music is in itself and uh how i had totally abused that yeah i don't know you did what musicians do sure that's what they do they, and like it's tale as old as time i mean look what happened with uh like every really every successful musician the ones who really get big they have feuds Mm. Look at like Drake and Meek Mill a couple of years back, Kanye now, I guess. But um, there's, I mean, Neil Young and Leonard Skinner. It goes way, way back. Everybody does it. That's like they plan them out so that it's so that they get the publicity from it. It helps both musicians. It's like Alex should have just started his band and, you know, let you do your art. <laughs> <laughs> it was still uh, we were still, you know, um, kind of working out the kinks. And I thought it was funny, too. And. In, when we were doing it, like I thought he would hear it and he would be like, you know, ha, ha, ha. I thought he would think it was funny too. Yeah. But he didn't. <laughs> so after I posted the the song, I go I go into the high school and I see him and he's all like, hey, you know, what's going on? And I was like, oh, hey, Alex, you know, <laughs> did you like the song? And boom, <laughs> totally pushes me into the locker. And at this point... I know that I'm in some pretty big, I made a critical error, you know, (laughs) and I'm about ready to get, you know, my ass kicked, you know, because Alex was so much bigger than me. He doesn't get mad often either. And so, you know, I was just all like, dude, like trying to talk to him, like, okay, you know, this, you know, we need to stop this now. You know, I don't, you know, want to get hurt. And he's all like, who made the song? And I was all like, well, me and Taylor did. And he goes... I knew it. Talon made that song. Oh, no. And then turns... Blind Talon. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, or at this point in time, uh, Talon was yeah pretty blind, and uh, I see Jeff turn around, and he he had leaves Alex. me. Or, uh, yeah, Alex <clears throat> turned around, and he and he. And, I was there though. Oh yeah, I remember this happening. Oh yeah, I was like tunnel vision because I was like, oh, oh shit, I'm gonna get my ass kicked in front of everybody in school, and yeah, nobody is ever gonna forget this. And also, nobody was saying shit because Alex was big and scary and mad right so it was just like silent yeah everyone's just like watching like they were just like yeah we gotta let him do do the whatever and so he turns around and he goes to find talon and so i kind of pursued him to like see what was going on maybe he would you know miss him and then class would start and sure enough here comes talon with his uh you know i seeing kane and he goes up to talon and he's all like talon did you make that song and he's like yelling at him and i see talon you know like you know hey what's going on and like extends his hand and stuff like that and i told i didn't want to intervene and pull aggro back at me because i know if i did that you know he he would probably re-pursue me yeah and so um, as somebody who he feels like he might be able to punch and get away with right yeah i i knew that he, that would be so bad if he would have hit, you know, Talon. For him. Yeah. He knew that too. I felt yeah. that in the energy in the air. Right. Everyone's like, okay, this is actually kind of good. This will subdue the situation. He's not going to hit a blind guy. Right. Like, I know Talon wasn't completely blind, but he was pretty damn close. Right. Like, just not defenseless. He was living a blind man's yeah, life. For sure. Yeah. And he was not deserving of a punch to the face for making a song <laughs> really not even probably making the the parts that piss him off right he, he did the drum beat yeah <laughs> like, well i mean we were both you know kind of singing and just you know letting out whatever we had to let out you know because yeah. we were just feeling some negative energy and oh, that so, was a bit of a screamo song if i recall yes yeah yeah it had the uh tune of uh serenation army by white stripes i love that song i do too i'm gonna fight them off Doom, 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 doom. And then, yeah. I remember there being a line in there about Eddie jerking off in the corner. And that was the thing I thought was especially uh, provocative. And um, nobody even was mad about that. <laughs> if, if anybody should be mad, it should be Eddie. Yeah, no, I know. I forgot about that part. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, we were. I remember the line, actually. Very yeah. well. you, you were talking about a girl that they both liked. And you're talking about how Alex was doing something and Eddie was just still jerking off in the corner. Oh, no. Oh, man. I think there it was, was really more... mean. It was really mean, yeah. if I recall. Oh, no. It was it was a good diss track, man. Yeah. They, they should have been able to take that for what it was and see that it was supposed to be comedic slash roastish. Like, right. You were trying to roast them in a way that was funny. Yeah. Which is okay, right? I mean, apparently it struck a nerve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how'd that resolve? So we basically just, well, so after the whole incident happened, like I was just so like distraught and, uh, I actually went to, um, the library and I was like, Hey, um, can I, need... I hide here? No, well, <laughs> that too. But, um, I was like, Hey, uh, I need to get on MySpace so then I can remove this song, you know, because I was like, you know, this has to be immediately resolved. And, uh, yeah, they ended up letting me go on MySpace and, uh, and you know, take the take the song down. But at that time, I mean, I'm sh I'll, anybody who wanted to hear that song had already heard that song and, yeah. you know, got the overall message from it. But it would later on be, you know, discarded. Do you still have any of those tracks? No. 
Oh man, that's a. Did you actually disable your MySpace page? I don't think they so. might still be up there. Yeah, they might still be up there. But if I remember correctly, we cycled through a bunch of songs and like you know it just progressively just not getting the sound that I wanted. So ended up just scrapping that project and graduating and then uh, playing music with Talon and Lucas. And we would start a band called The Stillborn Graves, mm. which uh, was a, uh, a punk metal band. And yeah, we did some shows in uh, Astoria. Like there was this uh, venue called Level 2. Mm. And I did one show with them. And then I ended up leaving uh, the band and going to Portland and going to Job Corps and it wouldn't be even like three weeks after that, that uh, Lucas would, uh, you know, pass away. Yeah, that was a shocker. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, I was uh, I was really bummed out about that, too, because um, I wasn't able to leave Job Corps to, like, you know, attend his funeral or anything like that because I was a, a new resident. And uh, there's a, you know, a period of time where you can't leave the you know, the school. Mm -hmm. So I totally missed out on that. And I was yeah, really bummed out. Did he die of pneumonia? Yeah. Man. Yeah. And his, he seemed sad. Well, I mean, who isn't sad? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like I'm pretty sad. Yeah. But you put off a, a bright energy and, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I also don't want to make myself sound insane, mm. but so did you know that when you are bonding with a human being, your physiology starts to synchronize? I can I can probably contest to that. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's totally true. I if pick you up think on people's like, characteristics. Yeah, and it's easy to to understand if you're thinking about like sex because obviously your biologies are synchronized because you're fucking. But like, even just you and me sitting right here, our heart rate is probably synchronized. Our body temperature is synchronized. Being in the same physical location is another layer of of the bonding, and like the biochemistry that's happening in your brain during that process is gonna. Mere mine. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like a first date that, that you're just like, that connection is just not there. Even mm -hmm. if it was perfectly fine, you had a nice conversation, but you just didn't feel that spark because your, your physiologies aren't compatible. Right. And that's why online dating can be so treacherous because you might think that you guys are totally connected and then get physically together and you'd be like, oh, it's not there. You know? Right. It's just not there. Yeah, that's why uh, FaceTiming is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, yeah, when I did have my little spell of going on, uh, you know, the dating website, I uh, would use uh, like Skype or something like that and then uh, go up to Seattle and have a good time. So it's, what's your romantic life like these days? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's good. Have you been married or do you have no. any kids? What's what's the story? I don't really you know, want to touch base on on that. Okay. You know, there's some some stuff. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to go there. All right, cool. Um But yeah, yeah, I mean I I have, you know, had my fair share of promiscuous activities and things like that. I enjoy having sex. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, one of my favorites. I I really like having sex. <laughs> like yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. It's, and it was it was really uh kind of cool leaving Ocean Park because there was a lot of, you know, women in Portland or, you know, wherever I would go that would find me attractive. Totally not like how it was in high school. No. You know, um, because... Everything changes when you get out of your small town. Right. And it was like, I've known these girls, you know, all my life and stuff like that. So they'd be un uninterested. But anytime there'd be a new girl that would come into the school, 
they were like, hey, what's up with this guy? No, oh, David. Yeah. You know. Exactly. What, what would you want to do with him? It's like, he's he's good looking, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty cool, mm-hmm. you know, getting out of here and then actually being able to exercise, you know, these promiscuous activities with people that I didn't embarrass the shit out of myself. Yeah. Know? Over and over again, yeah, over, over years. Yes. Yeah. Do you think it's like that at big schools? Like if you graduate with a thousand kids, no. there's going to be new people all the time. Right. I, I think about that too, because I felt the same way. And then once I realized like, oh shit, rejection's not that bad. Yeah. I don't really mind that at all. Like if you accept your your rejection rate is going to be high ahead of time, then you're just like, all right, well, let me go knock out a few of these rejections. Then mm-hmm. eventually I'll get to my yes. Yes. It's like, it's a great strategy. Well, and I mean, I feel like guys are doing a lot of running around and, you know, the females, they just have to stay put. Yeah. You know. The object of desire. Yeah, exactly. Put out the vibe. Mm-hmm. What's your type? Uh, Well, I like... Uh, I guess, uh, well, I guess I, I like him a little bit older now, you know, like my age, preferably, you know, where, you know, opposed to before, as I was 21, I wouldn't necessarily go for somebody that was 32, you know? So I guess, uh, you know, that has, to, has to do with it. Do I have a type? Uh, I prefer if they weren't overweight, you know, like that kind of, kind of deal. I'm not too particular of, you know, their ass, or their titties, but you know, those are pluses. And, uh, you know, if they can, you know, make some good food or not, oh, that's nice. you know, cause I don't like to cook. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, if they, if they do that, then that's, then that's cool. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I used to desire more what I thought culture wanted me to desire. Like when we were, let's say middle school, okay, the sexy body type that Hollywood would have us believe was like, what I always call was like the Budweiser models, like women who are like usually blonde, big tits, narrow waist, small ass. Like it was like the 90s babe look like um, Carmen Electra, Carmen Electra. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Pamela Pam- Anderson. Exactly yeah. who I was picturing. Exactly. And so that was what I always that was like the pinnacle. And then uh, I realized as I'm, you know, going through my 20s and I dated girls who were like that. I would find myself lusting after other women who didn't look like that. And I would actually try to redirect myself. I remember in, uh, ooh, I don't even know if it's a little bit personal. Eh, fuck it. I remember I used to get my prescriptions at this pharmacy in Bellingham. And there was this chick in there who had the just this big ass that I was just like, oh my God. And I had a girlfriend who's like small frame person. And I would just like go into the pharmacy it was just like my treat. <laughs> I was like, fuck, yeah, look at this bay with this butt. And it didn't really dawn on me. I was still like trying to pursue women who were not like that. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I realized like, oh, shit, maybe I just like big butts. Mm-hmm. And I cannot lie. You cannot. Well, and the other brothers wouldn't deny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you get it. And so then I just accepted that. And now society's caught up, too, and everybody loves big butts. Yeah. It's uh, it's the way of the world. But, right. Yeah. I, I just find that interesting how we can try to convince ourselves of what we like based on what other people like. There's no reason to do that. It's, it takes maturity to realize who you are and what yeah. you actually want. Yeah. Like now I would just like, a, you know, a girl just, you know, that's nice. Consistently nice. That is my number one turn on. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Above just, all else. You know, somebody that's 
really nice. Yeah. You know, and you even know, when they're pissed off, even when they're pissed off. Yeah. You know, because I mean, fuck, I've had plates of lasagna thrown at my head, you know, remote. Did it controls. hit you? Oh, hell yeah. The plate or I, the lasagna? No, the lasagna. Okay. And it was a paper plate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't so bad. Yeah. But I wore it as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know what it's like to see people, couples that fight. Yeah. Like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, just, uh, you know, a nice girl would be cool. Yeah. I regularly say that to people where I'm just like, look, I don't want much from you. If we're like mm-hmm. people who I spend a lot of time with, my family, my wife, my kids, m- people like that. I don't really ask for much. I've trained myself to take care of my own shit. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't need a lot from people, but I do need you to be nice. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm as much as I work on it, I'm a codependent person. I like, I adopt the feelings and emotions of the people around me yeah. and I can't help it. It's just what happens. And so when, when somebody's just walking around all mad even if they're not talking about it, I feel it and I don't like it. I want it to change. So I like that becomes my my new priority. It's like, all right, how do we fix this so we can get back to life? Yeah. And it's not healthy. You don't need to be doing that. Right. So. Yeah. Because you're like hearing doors slam. You're hearing dishes getting clanked way louder than they, you know, need to be handled. Exactly. And you're just like, okay, <laughs> what's going on here? Nothing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and then once you're done asking questions, then they want to talk. Right, right as you're falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's always That's what the it is. sneak attack. Oh, man. That is the worst time to approach me with some deep shit. Oh, yeah. Because I'm so short and I'm very blunt. I'm just like, I'll give you your answers, uh-huh. but I'm not going to worry about your feelings. Right. Like, this, yeah, it's bad news. Yeah. And that always seems to be what happens to me uh, because, like, I'll try hard. And me and Melissa don't fight much. It's really a rare thing when we do. Um, but she takes longer to to warm back up and be ready to talk about stuff than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm very much like, matter of fact, let's hit it. Let's solve this problem. We'll move on. Yeah. I'm not going to let the, the bad feelings linger. Mm-hmm. And most people are not that way. No. It takes a little bit of time to to come back to normal. Yeah. And, I yeah. never really understood that either because, yeah, I'm always like up front and I want to be in its face and I want to, you know, solve the problem. Yeah. Because I want that instant gratification. You want to go break? Sure. And, uh, we'll come back and do our, our last 45 minutes. Okay. Check, check, check. Perfect. Oh, yeah. There's water and uh, bubbly water there for you. Oh, killer. If you Thank get thirsty. You. So on the break, we were talking about our brains. And you mentioned that you, you think you might possibly be dyslexic. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? So, um, from my understanding, like, uh, dyslexia is, uh, like when I look at a a word and, uh, the letters get jumbled up and, uh, also, uh, yeah, which makes it really difficult to read. And even, even now I'll like take my tape measure out and I'll go to measure something and I'll go cut the, cut the piece but my numbers were mixed up. It wasn't 34. It was 43. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it takes a little bit for me to focus and actually, you know, decode what a, what a word says or, you know, what, what my tape measure is reading. Wow. And did you notice this happening to you in school? Oh, yeah. All the time. I actually was, uh, uh, had a hard time reading. And uh, I was in uh, special education for a lot of my high school career, and I ended up testing out of it my senior year. 
but uh, they were concerned um, if I did test out of uh, the special education program that uh, I wouldn't graduate. But if I was in it, then I was like guaranteed to graduate, which was it seemed to me like it was kind of weird. And uh, I, I really just uh, wanted to be like everybody else, you know, graduating in my class. So I just concentrated really hard on making those points and, and testing out of it mm-hmm. and which I was successful at and uh, would be able to graduate. So you proved him wrong. Yeah. Have you ever been tested for dyslexia? Uh, no. Did you think about doing that? Yeah. That'd be nice to know. Like, I, I I don't know what they would do to, you know, help that. I honestly don't know what the treatments are, if there are any. Or, yeah. I imagine there's like exercises you could probably do. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a well understood situation. Yeah. I, I don't know much about it. I'm going to put a ding in right here and tell the audience some stuff about dyslexia. Okay. Okay. I didn't have time to do a deep dive on dyslexia, but I did just do a quick Google and I found a quick fact sheet on dyslexia from the Child Mind Institute. Here we go. Dyslexia is a common learning disability that interferes with the acquisition of reading skills. It causes children to struggle with decoding, word recognition, and spelling. While many people still use the term dyslexia, it is now technically part of the diagnosis specific learning disorder, which groups together reading, writing, and math disorders under the same umbrella. Symptoms can be hard to recognize, but they usually look something like this. Difficulty rhyming, associating sounds with symbols, sequencing and ordering sounds, and trouble identifying and comprehending signs or logos. Late talking and persistent trouble with word retrieval. Difficulty following simple or complex directions. Difficulty with little words. Omits or reads twice little words like the, and, but, and, in. Difficulty sounding out unfamiliar words and confusion with patterns. Dyslexia is diagnosed through an evaluation that determines a deficit in reading ability and rules out other possible causes, like social, environmental, or cognitive factors. Treatment will first address the symptoms of the disorder, teaching your child how to read not intuitively, as most do, but as a rule-based system. Then your child and her therapist or his therapist will develop compensatory skills for learning in general. Individualized attention and instruction are critical, and schools often allow extra time on tests and other accommodations for students with dyslexia. Okay, so that actually, yeah, that does kind of fill in some gaps. It's not easy to diagnose, and there is a lot of different expressions of it. It can look a lot of different ways, and I think it changes through the lifespan as well. Interesting. Carry on. And now we're back. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, the mental disorders... Is it's the whole situation with that is is kind of complicated because to me it feels like it's a lot based on opinion and it's opinion of very smart people, doctors and members of the American Psychological Association, but human beings nonetheless, and they're fallible. They can make mistakes and they can they can have bias that is going to affect you know what they say. And on top of that, society there's a lot of societal pressure. For everyone to agree, especially where it comes to things where people are being medicated, because then it's also economics. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, so do you know what the DSM is, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual? It's the book they use to diagnose people for psychological disorders. Okay. So it's it's basically like a checklist system. So say they're evaluating a patient and this patient is an alcoholic and they're, they're having lots of problems with that. So they'll go right through the checklist and say like, okay, so 
in order to qualify for substance abuse disorder, they need to meet, you know, whatever it is, five out of seven of these criteria. And then they just check the boxes. So it's like, oh, is is the efforts to procure your drug of choice impeding your relationships or your work life or whatever? For example, the DSM-5 lists 11 different criteria for substance use disorders. And these include a lot of different substances, including alcohol and all the different drugs that you're probably thinking of. So depending on how many of these criteria are met by the patient, it will determine their specific diagnosis. So here they are. Number one, taking the substance in larger amounts or for longer than you are meant to. Number two, wanting to cut down or stop using the substance but not managing to do it. Three, spending a lot of time getting, using, or recovering from use of the substance. Four, cravings and urges to use the substance. Five, not managing to do what you should do at work, home, or school because of substance use. Six, continuing to use even when it causes problems in relationships. Seven, giving up important social, occupational, or recreational activities because of substance use. Eight, using substances again and again even when it puts you in danger. Nine, Continuing to use, even when you know you have a physical or psychological problem that could have been caused or made worse by the substance. 10. Needing more of the substance to get the effect you want, also known as tolerance. 11. Development of withdrawal symptoms, which can be relieved by taking more of the substance. So the DSM-5 allows clinicians to specify how severe or how much of a problem the substance use disorder is, depending on how many symptoms are identified. Two or three symptoms indicate a mild substance use disorder, four to five symptoms indicate a moderate substance use disorder, and six or more symptoms indicate a severe substance use disorder. So as you can probably see, a lot of those are very subjective. So wanting to cut down or stop using the substance but not managing to, that's kind of flimsy, you know, that's a little slippery. How do you really know if you want to, then why don't you? But maybe you didn't want to, I don't know. But there are some of these definitely up to the opinion of the clinician. Continuing to use even when it causes problems in relationships. What if those problems in relationships are caused because of lack of education or lack of understanding about the substance? Maybe your, your spouse doesn't understand that you need medication because they think that mental illness is not real and it's you just need to pray more. So it's causing problems in your relationship. Is that really the problem with the medication or just a problem with communication? So there's a lot of wiggle room here. Anyway, that's my point. I just wanted you guys to see kind of how that system works. But back to the show. Whatever. I don't actually know what the requirements are off the top of my head, but you know what I mean. And yeah. then they just go through and check the boxes. And then so much rides on that decision. It just doesn't add up to me because, I mean, you can't – once you've been diagnosed with something, even if somebody diagnoses you as not having that later, you've still been diagnosed with it. Sure. And it's still in your record. People are still going to bring it up if you ever – try to run for office or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it sucks yeah. for people who want to like go out and make something of themselves, but also are a little damaged mm -hmm. like or a little bit different. Sure. Um, it's, it's affected the way that I pursue mental health services for sure and because I don't want to be stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't care about the stigma. I just don't want the stigma to affect my opportunities, mm -hmm. which they will. So, so one of the things that actually helped me out, really like buckle down and uh, do my schoolwork and, you know, 
be able to like you just reach a new level of consciousness was a uh, smoking marijuana. Uh huh. Um, you were the one that actually introduced me to that. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you uh, sounds like it helped. I'll take the credit. Sorry yeah. if I hurt your life. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, you had uh, picked me up. Tell me and... the story. I don't remember. Okay. So this was uh, back in high school. I was like 16, and this is when I had suffered my back injury. And, you know, I was like feeling all depressed and down and stuff like that. And so I'm riding my bike down the main road, and here you come with your truck. And uh, you got a buddy in the in the passenger seat, and you pick me up. Was it Adam Yawn? Yes. Ah, I do remember. Yes. And so you pick me up and you're like, hey, check this out. And so you guys, you know, hand me a little baggie and I smell it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that smells disgusting. That smells like freaking, you know, skunk cabbage. I was like, like, what the? Yeah, like a swamp. I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? And you're like, oh, yeah, that means that's the good stuff. And, uh, you know, we went and smoked. And um, the first time it was just such a surreal experience. Like, I just felt like just everything kind of just slowed down you know and i was for able the first to, time ever for the first time ever i had been suffering from add and just spazzing out you know all the time just, you were a wild kid i was wild yeah you know just climbing trees jumping out of them you know riding my bike and going down these you know hills with the intention of crashing <laughs> you know yeah knowing you know i was just all over the place you know just and that's why I really excelled at sports too. It's because I was just go 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 all the time. Yeah, you know, and yeah, everything. Also, you didn't have an ego. That's something that also really helped you in sports. Yeah, one of the very few people I can think of actually where when it became like known, like oh shit, David's actually a great athlete. It didn't really seem to go to your head. It didn't change you at all. You're still the same goofball that you always were. Mm-hmm. You just also happen to be kicking ass in sports. Yeah. But yeah, you were always a good sport about it. It was just like, this guy doesn't have an ego problem. Mm. It's good. But anyway, go on with your story. Uh, yeah. And so, it, it, yeah, everything just slowed down. And uh, after that experience, I was just like, whoa, am I a bad person? Because I, you know, I went through and did this. Like, it was like illegal at the time, you know. And uh, I struggled with that. And uh, yeah, my... Yeah, my parents, you know, were definitely not a fan of that. They were, they were, yeah, highly against that because, uh, yeah, I had a, I was like getting some like in low increments and stuff like that and just kind of like micro dosing with it. So then, you know, it would do it again. It would like slow it down and I'd be like, whoa, this is freaking sweet. I'm actually really interested in reading this book where normally I would be so jacked that I wouldn't be able to sit down and, and do that. I'd have to do something else that was, you know, hands-on. Yeah. Or you'd have to be, for some reason, highly motivated to do it. Right. Like somebody forcing you. Right. But even then, I would just, I would literally just pretend to, like, you know, read it. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. But now I remember I'm, you being such a goofball in class sometimes. Like, very, just outburst, making people laugh a lot. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, just saying ridiculous things, you know, pointing out things that I thought were funny. I wanted Life to have is supposed a, to be fun. Yeah, I want to have a good time. You know, I like laughing. I like having a good time. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best way to do it. Large groups of people and stuff like, you know, being a performer or an actor. Do you ever fantasize about that? What? Being a performer or an actor or a comedian. I think, uh, you know, maybe in the past, but now that, you know, I've kind of found my calling in the construction industry, mm-hmm. I've just been pouring all of my resources into it. It's a hands-on thing. And 
you know, it's for everybody to see, you know, people get to see, you know, the roofs that I do and they, they look good and they work, you know, that's, that's where I get that, uh, that, that positive, you know? Yeah. It's a real good craft. Right. I just mean like, I do that about a ton of different jobs I and it changes too, where I was just like, even though I love my job, I have no problem with it, but I like to just fantasize about what if I would have decided to go into being a chef or a comedian or a writer or all, all the different stuff. And it's fun. I, I like to do that. And I always ask people about what they fantasize about without any intention of ever doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Except for some of them, I, I like, I do want to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to do comedy. I really would love to do that. But it's it's terrifying. And it, it would take so much effort to do it because of where we live right that it was just like fuck i don't i'd have to really try hard i'd have to put a ton of work and effort into doing something that's gonna almost 100 percent certainly end in me being humiliated for a long time like i don't know if i can do that to myself yeah but you know it's fun to think about yeah i guess uh maybe like a like a swat team kind of guy so yeah, because whenever I'm up on the roof and I have my rope and harness, you know, I've, I'm literally like repelling down the roof. Yeah. You know, and so and I'll, I'll like do it all fast and stuff and, you know, do like uh, what, like some uh, Mission Impossible, you know, little theme song going in my head. I'm like, going down to my section, you know, and then here comes a big panel and I'm all hiking it up and then, you know, installing it, you know, stuff like that. It's a rush yeah. to manipulate your environment like that, to yeah. be able to move through it with skill it's, yeah it feels really good yeah 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 i know i've gone through a lot of trials when it comes to uh just mustering up the the will to you know get up to the peak and uh you know get safe get a rope going and work my way down you know no matter the steepness or you know if it's wet or not do you enjoy the little bit of rush you get from heights oh hell yeah me too i yeah. i've always loved that i dig it as long as i'm like secure it i i I'm sure you've got the feeling too where have you ever froze where you're in a situation where you're not quite safe yeah and then your body all of a sudden doesn't want to move yeah and you're just like I wish I was somewhere else so fucking bad right now (laughs) (laughs) that that's a scary feeling I think a lot of people get that just like standing at the edge of a roof Mm -hmm. all the time and I I do not I, I have to be really in danger for that feeling to pop up yeah, no, uh, that feeling has definitely subsided and yeah, I'm like desensitized cause I've just done it so often. Like I can look at, you know, a roof and know where I should go up. Yeah. You're not going to put yourself in that position. Yeah. And I usually always have an exit strategy. So even if I'm like not roped up and I'm going down to a section, you know, I've got m- my hands where I'm going to be able to grab onto something solid and, uh, you know, not fall because, you know, I haven't fallen yet. So, yeah. and I have no intentions of falling, but there are other dangers on these, on these job sites. I was, uh, operating a skyjack, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a four wheel heavy, um, uh, heavy machinery, um, with a basket that you can, you know, boon up and you can go like three stories in the air. Like a scissor lift type thing. It's like a scissor lift, but it's got a movable basket and it rotates oh, okay, cool, and cool. everything like that. So, and you know, you can drive it around. So I'm, I'm doing a job over in uh Seaview and I'm roofing this section and I get in there and there's like a little hill to go down. And so I'm like, okay, no problem, but it's new construction and the sand is really soft. And so as I'm like going down this hill, I start noticing, you know, I took my hand off the throttle and 
this it's still moving. Oh no. Yeah, I I had hit the soft sand going down this hill and you know this heavy piece of machinery is now on three wheels. And I'm going down down this hill with no control and I'm like, "Oh shit, this is it." Oh my god. You know, I'm I'm going to get launched out of this thing and I'm like looking over the edge because I'm like, you know, about ready to jump out. I mean, I'm like 20 feet up in the air, but you know, down down below there's some soft sand which I'm, you know, sliding a little on. too soft. Yeah. And so it comes to a stop and I lower it lower it out and, you know, kind of checked it out and I mean, it's still up on three wheels, but you know, it takes a lot to push those things down, but I mean, it's They're just, well designed. Yeah. It just scared the living daylights out of me i'm pretty sure you know all the other trades that were in the house you know were hearing me you know curse and everything like that so there's there's new things to learn every day and you know shit you just get surprised yeah i remember one time we were cleaning gutters for the roofing company i worked for i was on just some office building and that was closed and it was like a stormy, stormy day and it started getting really windy. And I was with the boss's son, like he was probably 30 and he'd been doing it his whole life. So I trusted his instincts, even though he was kind of a wild man and he was like typical boss's son. The boss was a millionaire. He had an Alfa Romeo race car and a secret door in the shop. It was killer. Awesome. But I didn't even know it was there until like the last week I was working there and he took me in there and showed me. But yeah, this this guy was like, oh no, we'll be fine. He was always also, he was going to get regular IVs of like B12 and B6, like those oh, yeah. energy drips. And this is like 2012. So oh. it was when they were fairly new, I think. Yeah. So he seemed kind of wild and crazy to me. So I was like, I don't completely trust this guy, but um, here we go, roll the dice. And so we're going up in one of these lifts uh, to second story of this office building and cleaning the gutters and the wind starts whipping this thing around mm. and so on the really big gust it's like moving us 10 feet yeah to and fro he was just crouching down and grabbing on <laughs> and then and like not saying anything to me so i would to do the same thing and then just standing back up afterwards and keep cleaning the gutters moving us along and like it was no big deal and i was just like i don't want this i don't want to do this this is not worth dying over these yeah. fucking gutters no way um, but I was shocked at how much it could move without tipping over because right. the base looks very small. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like it's, and it's so, it's pretty narrow, but yeah, those things are crazy. Well yeah. engineered. Oh yeah. What's the coolest, uh, job you've done? Like where you, have you done any like, oh, you did Chris Novoselic. That's a pretty big. Yeah. One. That one's cool. That one was the coolest one. The biggest one, which you actually interviewed Madeline Dickerson. I, uh, put together the, uh, uh, the museum. Oh, cool. Yeah. I just I went was, in there the other day. Yeah, I, I did the museum, which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, we actually had an accident there. So as we're tearing off the old roofing, this is a double layer metal roof that's on the museum. So the first layer that we take off, there's a another layer of metal underneath. And we had to inspect the substrate underneath, which is, you know, a steel building. So on the second layer, I'd have to like peel up a, a little section and underneath it would be like some insulation board. And I had one of my apprentices was doing like a 710 split on purlins that were five foot apart. So um, he just, he's balancing with his feet out, you know, five feet, you know, kind of walking down and sweeping. Five feet we were, apart? Yeah, five That's foot apart. That's pretty far. It's pretty far. And 
when I saw him doing this maneuver, I was all like, no, I was all like, come, come back. That is not safe. And I was like, if you make one false move. And right when I said that his leg gave out and he had fallen through 17 feet to his kneecap and missing this unforgivable, you know, printing press that's that's in there. It's near like one of the exits and he had missed it by inches, man. And every piece of that equipment that's in there has like these metal, you know, spikes just shooting up. And if he would have caught any of that, he would have died. But and probably broke a priceless piece of a historical printing equipment. Yeah, we're yeah, but also making it worth more, you know, because somebody died on it. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, but um, and it looked pretty sturdy too. I mean, uh, if they used to build if, shit well back yeah, then, if you fell on it, I mean, the structural integrity is going to be staying in there. It's, it's just going to need cast a little bit iron of, framing yeah. thing or something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he falls, he falls through, and he hits his, he hits his leg, and we're looking down at him, and we're like. Hey, you know, are you all right? And he's all like, yeah. And then, you know, and then he starts wailing in pain, you know, because, you know, th- that hurts. And yeah, so 17 feet a long way. So we go down in, into the museum to, you know, go get him. And we're looking around the spot where he'd fell. He's not there. And uh, we go around to uh, the building and he's not there either. He had fallen off the roof and then went back up on the roof after falling. You, you look up, he's standing there with his feet on the no, roof. He, uh, no, he was just, he'd <laughs> climbed back up on the roof after falling 17 feet to his kneecap. And it was because he was in so much shock. Yeah. And this uh, individual would actually be the son of uh, the first guy that I saw fall. Oh, wow. So yeah. they both fell? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I mean, apparently falling off the roof is hereditary. Oh, so was he okay? Is it, did it break his kneecap or anything like that? No, he actually didn't break anything, but he uh, hit his knee really hard and ended up having to have it in a brace for a little bit, but bounced back, and he is just, you know, doing so well, you Good. know, in the industry. He had came to construction at a high school, mm-hmm. you know, and so... When he got put in my van and became my apprentice, I just gave him all the knowledge that that I had to, you know, help him be successful. And, uh, yeah, he is just – he's doing so well. I think he's uh, almost two years in. And, yeah, he is just becoming very proficient in the skill. And I'm so happy that I was, like, able to, like, be a part of it because now it's almost like he's uh, going to be surpassing me, which, you know – Inside, it makes me becomes the master. Yes. Inside, it makes me feel like, you know, oh, crap. Like, you know, he's, you know, doing so good. And, you know, I had taught him all these things, you know, to like, you know, kind of have like a kind of envy. But I don't want to be that kind of kind of guy that, you know, is always in power and then pushes people below me. No, that's a bad way to be. Yeah. That's a very bad way to be. Like, you got to be the kind of guy who celebrates other people. Right. Who welcomes their success and helps them. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the rising tide raises all boats. Mm-hmm. You know, good good is good for everybody. Yeah. And it's only our egos that care about that shit. It doesn't actually change your life in any positive way to be that way. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't make you look better. It doesn't make you progress in your skill. You're wasting energy feeling shitty instead of, you know, studying or practicing or whatever your thing is so that's good david's humility strikes again yeah it's a good it's a good trait (laughs) 
How long did it take you to learn, like, to a proficient level to where you're confident to, to take on pretty much any job? Uh, I think it took me about, I want to say a year, but I think it was probably closer to two years. That's to, still pretty quick. To actually, like, you know, be able to put together a roof on my own, you know, or lead people. I know I was uh, two years in when my mentors actually left while we were on that museum job. And then I had inherited that job for, you know, me to put that together. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, and there was a couple of different uh, new things that I had to learn because it was a commercial building versus a residential. So it's easier, isn't it? A little bit. It's no. I never did re any residential. Yeah, no, it 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 wasn't because the pa I mean, first off, I mean the panels were like seventy six feet long, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean they were really hard to manage. We had to have and this is metal. This is metal, and so we we had to have you know four people lifting one panel because if the wind caught it or or That's if, sharp edges too. Dude, yeah, it's it's some serious business. Like with the weight alone, it would just you know crush you. You know, you'd have to be really synchronized in order to install these panels. Mm -hmm. And then they so you had, need good helpers. Yes. Yeah. Very good helpers, which is really hard to come by. You know, it's hard to find, you know, people with like the same spark and enthusiasm as me when it comes to wanting to go up and, you know, perform hard labor. You know, there are people who don't want to try to make it yeah. fun. Like they don't want to do like the, hey, let's make the best of this thing. They, they want to just be shitty all day. Yes. That's their style. Yeah. That's how they get through it. Mm -hmm. Everybody does it their own way. But yeah, being a manager is hard for that reason. Right. Because you got to try to get everybody in a cohesive unit and that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. And they resent you for it. It's true. Yeah. No, I've, I've had people resent me as well. And, um, and I'm just like, you know, what the heck? You know, it was like the, you know, usually it would happen at like the last bit of the job. You know, where, you know, they would like really just disrespect me, you know, and I'm just all like, you know, what the heck? You know, I thought we were having this good time and everything like, you know, it just wasn't a negative experience for them. Yeah. You know, where I'm all thinking, you know, things, things are great and we're having a good time. We just we're kicked out, ass at this yeah, job. Kicked like, ass at this job. Like, you know, I know your section leaked, but hey, you know, it's all good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Do you, so you ever have to chase leaks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually got pretty good at uh, sniffing out leaks. I bet. You know, for metal or or comp and, and even flat. Flat's a little bit harder to find leaks, though, because... Not as much gravity helping you out. Exactly. Knowing where it's going to go. And a, a, a lot of times, too, like, there will be, like, pools and stuff like that on top of these roofs. Like, you know, flat roofs, they can hold water. Like, that's not a problem. Yeah. It's but like a big bathtub up there. It is like a big bathtub. You know, they you can line a swimming pool with this stuff, you know, and it it hold the water just fine. But there's seams and then there's also, like, puncture marks that could happen on it. And, I yeah. mean, they could be. Birds drop shit on roofs all the time. It's true. You ever find a bullet on a roof? No. What's the craziest thing you've ever found on a roof? Oh, what is the craziest thing I've ever found on a roof? Um, well, I know the coolest thing that I found inside of a roof was a um, an old uh, trap um, that was built in the uh, – it had a mark on it. It was like the 1960s. A trap for like an animal? Yeah. Oh, cool. Like a, yeah. Like a live trap? Yeah. And so you, they'd step on it and it would – 
it was like a bear trap. I pictured a human trap when you said that. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, what, not a human you, trap. You didn't step in it, did you? No, no. <laughs> and uh, also at the museum, we recovered a couple of oars. Oh, cool. Yeah. That were in like- In the roof? In, inside the roof, like where nobody would be. It was like in inside where nobody would, would Did go. Did they date them or anything? Did you find out anything about them? No, but we took pictures with them. Cool. I, I, Madeline's going to do some more stuff with the show. I'll uh, ask her about those oars. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can announce this yet. I might wait. She's going to start doing a segment. Oh, on, cool. On a regular, like a local history thing. Cool. I'm excited about it. Oh, yeah. That would be great. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Our community has wonderful history. Mm-hmm. It's great. I went in there the other day just to talk to her about this segment, and I took Amelia in there, my three-year-old, and we walked around for a little bit. She was a bit whiny. Uh, she was expecting dinosaur bones, and <laughs> there was none to be found. Oh, man. <laughs> they, what a they, letdown. You know, it's the weather here. They yeah. don't stay. You know, the bones, they just decompose. <laughs> But there was cool, like a well, piece of old, you know, history. Mm-hmm. But uh, where was it? What was I talking about? Oh, I lost track of it. It was the museum. Oh yeah, when I was in there, I, I noticed a big painting, a mural on the wall, mm-hmm. and it was a Charles Mulvey, who's a really cool local artist who's died years ago. But his paintings are awesome. Then he painted a bunch of stuff from Oysterville and, and Nakata, like mm-hmm. scenes with boats and houses and. It's all just stuff that just rings recognition bells in my brain because I lived there and it's just like a local scene that is very unique because of all the oyster shells everywhere and all that. But yeah, she told me that this painting had been covered up and during the renovation, they pulled down these paneling pieces off the wall and and they found this painting. And they're like, oh, shit, this is actually in pretty good shape. And then they found out, oh, my God, this is a Charles Mulvey. Whoa. And so now they have it all displayed and everything it's really cool oh that's awesome i wonder what else is hiding in that exactly. building exactly you know yeah because uh yeah i mean just the little bit that i was able to inspect and recover those those ores i want you know wonder what other kind of treasure treasures are in there yeah seriously there could be some really cool stuff um do you, you remember the way ocean park elementary school used to look yes when we when we were there how Absolutely. it was like it was just like an, an old school mm-hmm. everything was wood and echoey and like you could feel the history in the walls did you know that when they renovated it, they found a bunch of stuff under the gym floor, like a hidden compartment for storage that no one knew was there? Like they found a bunch of old books and desks and uh, all kinds of like stuff that hadn't been seen for. Oh, that's cool. They opened a up a time capsule. Yeah. That's killer. It was really cool. Did you ever go underneath the bleachers in there? Mm-mm. The You know how there was those doors that were locked up? You maybe not remember. This was fucking 25 I, I know ago. that there was doors there because I was like, you know, what's behind there? Yeah. You know, uh, all the time, like, you know, there's cracks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because it's an old building. So, everything, all the edges of the wood are all rubbed, worn and everything. And yeah. so, you can, like, see through a little bit, but it's dark. And we got to go back there one time because we made these giant whales out of paper. Okay. And um, that's where we stashed them. And I remember that's the one time I went in there. I was, like, trying to memorize what it looked like in there. Cause uh-huh. it was, but it was just like, a, oh, you know, old dusty storage room. But I love exploring old buildings, mm-hmm. or like looking around in ghost towns. Ghost towns are weird. They make you feel weird. Where are some ghost towns? There's ghost towns around here. Really? I mean, you just can't really see much because they just look like the woods hmm. just because they're, you know, overgrown. But mm-hmm. I think are also really interesting are like failed developments, places where they built a bunch of houses and then no one ever moved in. So it's like all new stuff, but it's like 
not used. Never went through with anything because yeah. nobody could afford them or there was a there's a housing not, crash or yeah. something. You know, it's not close enough to work and yeah, yeah, moving people in there. Speaking of crashes, you've been watching the the markets, the economy. Do you have any uh, thoughts have on the economy? Fr- I have friends that are that are in that, and they're kind of you know expressing you know their disappointment on it. I, it's been I know, uh, yeah. Um, which is, you know, really sucks. I know, uh, uh, there was a guy who invested in SHIB who, you know, broke the record for, you know, I guess getting the most, you know, money for his dollar as far as that went. But now it's on a, you know, on a dip and it's everything's been, dipping. It's yeah. Everything's been on a dip. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's SHIB run was very impressive. Yeah. I did not get in on that. I should have, you know. It, it, the meme it, coins are too risky. Yeah. They're, and there's when, no way to tell. No, not at all. Especially on something like that because literally the only thing that was driving that growth was hype. Right. And they acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. There's like there's no good technology here. There's no use cases that are extremely appealing. It's just because of that dog and Elon Musk and the weird crypto world mm-hmm. uh, and how that all works. Yeah. And really, like, the only way that you're truly going to make some money out of that is if you're doing, like, day trading. And That's a way to make money, but it's also a way to lose a lot of money. True. You have to be very, very careful. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could narrow it down and be like, you know, I'm like, you know, 7 out of 10 that this is going to happen today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you, you dump, you know, some money into it and then, you know, the next couple of days you could sell that and, like, you know – yeah, you may have made like $300 and you had to like put like a thousand in, you know, but that's that, a profit. That's a profit. And if you if you get good at that, making those trades bigger and bigger, you know, proportionally it will grow. Yeah. So yeah, you can make money that way for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard. Yeah. And it and and risky. Risky. Yeah. Risky. Well, yeah, it's just it's tricky, especially when you get into like a higher dollar amount too. Yeah. Cuz I mean, I was just thinking about just playing around with it, which, uh, you know, there's a couple of different apps that, you know, I've been kind of doing some research on and they have like ones where you, they give you like fake money, you know, and then you can kind of practice, you know, with that and see how, how that would work for you. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about doing like, you know, low dollar increments, but you know, there's no telling that I might just get like totally addicted that to, happened to me, and then just start dumping everything into it. Like how I see some of my friends, you know, <laughs> you just, you get a little hit and then it's just, it's on. Yeah. I'm very confident that the world is going to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you think it's going to change? I think that the digital revolution is just beginning, even like with the internet mm-hmm. and all that stuff. We're, we've watched all that come up in our lifetime oh yeah mobile communication gps huge the internet all that stuff is part of our lifetime and we're not that old we're young what's it going to look like when we're 60 i mean the rate of change is so fast and the technology is already so good it's going to get better things are going to get really insane with Mm -hmm. technology and now that i'm like looking into metaverse stuff and Mm -hmm. vr and just the digital ecosystem it's really clear that there's a lot of money to be made there so i own a little bit of digital real estate which Mm -hmm. sounds so goofy to say out loud no it's it's a legitimate thing yeah and i i mean i i own a tiny tiny bit but the people who bought a tiny bit two years ago are millionaires Mm -hmm. so it's just like you gotta just try to look ahead and see what's what's coming and when you do invest just invest an amount that you can afford to lose yeah 
Completely. Like, I assume... Same assume, thing with gambling. Yeah. It is gambling in a way. Mm-hmm. It's gambling plus research. Sure. Because you can't research what a blackjack hand is going to be. Right. But you can most certainly research which kind of startup is going to be successful. Exactly. So it's 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 really is a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of potential there. But I've kind of gone through the whole cycle of I uh, started it, I got interested, I got hooked, started figuring out which niche markets I really care about and I'm, I'm into and got in so deep that I realized like, oh shit, I can't spend eight hours a day doing this. This is not healthy. This is not good. And it's not going to work because I have two other jobs. Mm-hmm. I can't just... I can't. I just can't do that. So I backed off during the win- this winter. I have put in substantially less time. I was I was spending five or six hours every day reading and and investing and looking at, at new projects and all this stuff. And it's just not sustainable mm. unless you decide that's going to be your job. And then you do it hard and yeah. you and you really really do your research. Yeah. But it's it's really that's not a place to go and and just just kind of pussyfoot around and. Yeah, because it's your money. Yeah, you, you work that's, hard for that's it. That's what I heard. I mean, it's not like a you know a crock pot where you can just set it's it. It's not and, a set it and forget yeah, it. Set it and forget it. No. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not a crock pot. Uh, some things are though. Bitcoin. People talk more and more about how that that will be a crock pot, hmm. like the way gold is. How you can buy gold and you can assume ten years from now that gold is going to be worth more than it, it is when you bought it. And you can be relatively certain in that because of scarcity. Right. Bitcoin will eventually be that too. But anybody who bought Bitcoin at 65,000 and is now at 32 or whatever, um, that's a hard that's a hard hit. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard hit. Yeah, Bitcoin, that, that was like the, the start of it all, really. Mm-hmm. It mean, really was. Digital currency, you know. It's amazing. It's weird. It it's was very weird to weird. me when I, when I had first heard about it. I was like, there's no way that that could be successful. Really? You know, and but um, and then also like what deterred me from investing in it is like you could, you know, do, you know, some like unlawful, you know, transactions with it, too. Yeah. You know? But you can with cash as well. Right. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's a good point. If you can't do an illegal transaction with a, with a currency, it's not that good of a currency. I guess not. <laughs> you bring up a really good point. But yeah, that's a common that's a common argument is that it's used for nefarious acts. Sure. But if you look at the nefarious acts total, like all criminal activity, and then we'll break it down, what proportion of that is done in cash and what proportion is done in Bitcoin, cash still wins. Yeah. It's more evil is committed with cash than Bitcoin. Um, that's so true. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I do agree. I think I think that it is possible. That being said, a lot of criminal activity is not visible. Like a lot of it is just like money moving without us ever knowing and our life goes on without. It's not like everything is a terrorist attack, mm-hmm. but those do happen too. So it's, it's like we need to be aware of what's going on when large amounts of money are moving hands. And Bitcoin is not very visible like that. There's a lot of anonymity. Because the wallets are, are anonymous. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a Bitcoin wallet and it's public. Anybody can get on. Actually, I don't know about – I've never actually been on the Bitcoin Block Explorer. So I don't know how to do that. But I think it's public and you can get on there and, and see all the wallets and what's in them. But mm-hmm. you don't know – there's no name on them. So it's just a number. It's just a coded number. It's letters and gibberish. Yeah. Same with Ethereum though and Solana. Those are all – I have explored those blocks and they're – it's it's really cool. Like it's it's very it's a privacy is very prioritized in the blockchain world. 
which is awesome. Wow, that's cool. Which is what attracted me to it in the first place. Okay. I hate having to give all my information to, to everybody to do anything. It's right. It's just like, fuck, come on. Can't I just be anonymous? Like the way the internet used to be? Yeah. Yeah, what happened to that? I liked it. Yeah. Back in the day when you didn't have to be connected to every app all the time. Mm-hmm. And you just like actually got onto the internet to do stuff instead of just always being on. Mm-hmm. Like we're always on the internet now. It's just, it's endless. Yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of information at our fingertips at all times. Yeah, and it's hard not to use it. Yeah. I like I like having it. I'm I like looking at TikToks. Heck yeah. TikToks are everywhere now. I don't even yeah. have TikTok, and I, yeah. I like watching TikToks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're addictive. Yeah. All that stuff you know, is it's very addictive. Fun to, fun to see people, you know, just... Living life. Have, living life, having fun, you know. Kind of makes makes me seem like my life is you know boring or or whatever, but I I do uh, want to like do more videos and stuff like that. Of uh, roofing has a lot of great opportunities. Sure, um, I actually started my Instagram page when I was roofing. That's awesome. The guy who got, taught me about Instagram, his name was Ron, mm-hmm. and he uh, he's super smart guy. He like had this. He wrote a program. He wrote a bot essentially. He was from Russia too. <laughs> And uh, he wrote a bot that would go to other people's pages and like their pictures and then which would get them to go to his page and like his pictures. He was showing me while we were at work, his likes were just going up, 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 up and just bang, 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 bang. And, and he was an ugly dude. So like you get a good looking guy like you on there. Come on. You'd be just getting likes like crazy. The rambling roofer. You're on it. That's yeah. what you are right now. Hell yeah. That was actually the name I was going for. I was I was trying to like get a an Instagram page going uh-huh. where I with Rambling Roofer where I'd like take pictures of different roofs in different locations. I was in Portland, so I was doing really cool spots. I met Mr. Yoshida, the teriyaki sauce man. Okay. You ever have his sauce? Sure. Oh, it's a delicious sauce. Yeah. Met him. Um well I didn't actually meet him. I saw him sitting at his desk though. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's not that impressive of a story. <laughs> Um, but you know, he was a still cool Asian man at a computer desk. Yeah. And, uh, He's but I did the meet chair. Bob's red mill, the Bob from the red mill. He gave me a hat, tall white dude, handing out hats. Hell yeah. Also not a great story, but, um, yeah, it was, I always felt like I was like cool. Like you're behind the scenes of life mm-hmm. because you're up on the roof everywhere. No one, no one gets to go on the roof. No. It's only for special people. Yeah. It's it is it's a cool fucking job. Yes, it is. I really thought it was neat. I yeah, I I enjoy it all the time. And yeah, I'll be the first one up there, you know, and I'll uh yeah send ropes down so then everybody else can get up and work with me. Mm-hmm. And I like steep roofs, just the adrenaline, you know, that I get from it and the high. I'm a little desensitized from it, and so you, you know, gotta do a more and more I, risky I gotta, shit. <laughs> I gotta do more and more risky stuff. You ever think about getting a wingsuit? Um, oh, for like skydiving and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, I mean, mountain diving, mountain diving, cliff yeah. diving, cliff mm, diving. That's a little outside of my outside of my. Uh, Mark my words, David. Ten years from now, you're going to be so adrenaline out from roofing. You're just going to yep. be like, I got to get a new hit. How yeah. am I going to get this? You're going to get a wingsuit. They look so fun. Yeah, I, I watch those videos. That if if I had like a terminal disease, I would be bungee jumping, skydiving, and wingsuit every day. Yeah. It's funny to say that because I actually uh, was looking those up on the internet and like seeing how much they would cost. How and much? They're like um, the one that I was looking at was like twelve hundred. 
What's the nicest one? That's the one I want. Oh, it's, it, I mean, it probably, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's just like anything, you know, else, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm not the, getting the Amazon recommends yeah. version of the wish. No, don't, no, you don't want to get the wish one. But what's the yeah. wish one? Oh, I don't know. The What's the wish? I don't know what it's that is. A, wish is like an app that's like Amazon. Oh. But it takes forever for it to get to you. And uh-huh. then when it gets to you, it's like one third the size you thought it was. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't I don't want the cheap wingsuit. Yeah. Not at all. Have you ever been skydiving? No. Would you ever do that? Yeah. Yeah, you seem like you wouldn't be bothered by that at all. Well, I mean, I would be concerned, you know, but uh and I've also I, I watch uh like you know uh strange dark and mysterious uh youtube channel called uh, mr ballin mm. and uh you know he covers just like these you know accidents and stuff like that of uh you know skydivers or just you know whatever that will keep you from doing it yeah yeah it, you know but i like that because i'm still like listening to these stories of you know you know these accidents and stuff like that and it just gets my adrenaline going so but there would be some fear in the back of my mind because I'm not like stupid, you know. I know that there's a, a danger, so fear you know, is good. Fear, fear yeah. is a natural response. Like it's not like I'm going up on these roofs and I'm just all like, "Oh yeah, you know, whatever," you know, because that's how you get hurt. Exactly. You know, you can't you can't go up there and be stupid. You Arrogance know? is not the trick. True. It's skill. Yeah. Knowing and experience, knowing that like I know I can traverse this mm-hmm. confidently. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and looking ahead and, you know, is there, you know, water up there? Is there, you know, slick moss, you know, stuff like that. So I know that there'd, there'd be some fear in my mind, but, oh, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, totally. I would do too. Oh, man. What about those uh, hang gliders? Oh, yeah, that looks sketchy too. I had a guest last week talking about that and he said he will never do that again. Really? Yeah, he said they strap you in and then you just go running towards a a cliff, basically. And you don't start flying until after you jump off the cliff because it's the fall, your weight pulling down that creates the lift and gets you back up. Yeah. So you have to really trust. Imagine the first time doing that. What, are you by yourself when you do that? No, he had a person strapped up there with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then that make me feel, I guess, a little bit better. You know, I'm a little bit of a control freak, but, you know, if somebody's more proficient at something, like I'll, you know, give up the reins and stuff yeah. like that. Kind of like riding in an airplane, commercial aircraft or something like that. Yeah, you got to let them drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can't be like, hey, you know. Mind if I take this one? Yeah, you might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... That would be that'd be fun too. I saw a video of a guy where the the guide or the tandem guy, the the instructor, forgot to strap himself in. And so they're they're running and they jump off the cliff and then his body just falls oh. and he's hanging on by one arm. And he hangs on for ten minutes. And um, actually, he ends up with a torn bicep, but he makes it back to the ground and survives. Nice. And the whole thing's recorded and he's just like in the air, hanging for his life. Yeah. And the guy who's like doing the hang gliding who paid his 40 bucks or whatever is just like what the fuck yeah is this normal are you supposed to be strapped in like i imagine he knew it was something bad had happened well Uh, i mean how windy is it up there aren't you able to like communicate it's probably it's probably real loud sure yeah i can imagine it being real loud anytime you're in a like a convertible or ride a motorcycle Mm -hmm. anytime your wind is whipping by you any anything over like 30 it's noisy okay yeah yeah but yeah, that'd be terrifying. And so there, he's just like trying to tell him how to land that thing uh, so he doesn't die. Yeah. Well, he uh, passed. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Good I saw for another him. one where 
you're, it's just like a video of a guy on a hang glider and it just looks totally normal. And the, all of a sudden a cat just comes climbing down off of the raft. I saw that same one too. Yeah, and yeah, the, wow. the pilot notices that there's, there's, there's a, a cat, cat, you know, and the cat's totally cool. He's yeah. like, Hey, yeah. I was taking a nap. Do you mind you pulling this thing back down? <laughs> yeah. Let me off. Yeah. That <laughs> sucks. Yeah. He lands the craft and then, you know, reaches in and grabs it. And the passenger has no idea that the cat was in there. Yeah. She's like, Whoa, where'd this cat come from? <laughs> All right, David. Well, we have reached the two-hour mark. All right. That went by quick, as yeah, always. Did. Yeah. Thank well, you it was so a much pleasure for coming. and an honor. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to cover before we get out of here? Uh, not not in particular. Just uh, you know, you know, all the construction workers out there. You know, be safe. You know, uh, appreciate your breaks, and uh, you know, take care of yourselves. Okay, we're done. Thank you for doing some improv for the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you all for listening so much. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link, and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye.